and good morning. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, do we have quite the Valentine's Day present for you today. Don't worry. He's legal. Barely. You might feel some things. It's coming up in a bit here on Twitter. We will unveil Griffin Bass's Tom Brady picture after he and Ken Zalis tied as losers because they went with heads. Like idiots. It's one thing to lose. I need to, I need you to know that it's one thing to lose. You lose on anything else, like fine, whatever, it happens. I can't believe it played out exactly as I said. I wasn't going to let it play out for me. But, well, so we would have tied with you, right? If Yes, yeah, so I would have also had to have And John Proctor as well. If you guys had both picked tails. I should just know there's gonna four, be a defensive touchdown. All four of us would be together in our in our underpants. Now, I, of course... We should have all done it together. I'm actually... I didn't realize this. So my friend uh, Dave Scher from um, KNS Automotive this morning said, Hey, it's Valentine's Day. Why don't you get your boys of Hamden calendar, right? And so I saw it up on Facebook, and I said, Hey, man, make this shareable. Now, what I didn't realize is before he made it shareable, he added the picture of Stan and I, which I have said a million times, I ain't giving away for free. You got to buy your calendar in order to get it. So not realizing that he had edited the post because he knew that I was going to share it, I clicked share, not realizing that I was doing the thing that you said you wouldn't that do. That I said I would never do. No free taste uh, tasters. Jeez. No free samples. Nothing. You had to purchase. You had to buy the cow to get the milk. Man... I'm kind of mad at Dave. I do love Dave, and I'm not I'm not really mad at him, but, like, dude, that was the whole point, is that you had to buy the calendar in order to see the pick. But that is what it is. It's uh, nothing I can do about it now. <laughs> he, he got me. He got me. But uh, Griffin will have his Tom Brady picture go up on Twitter here in a minute. Uh, when is Ken planning on doing his? Uh, I don't know. He just said later in the week. Uh, yeah, we, we need to. That's a little dodgy. That's a little dodgy. We need a more direct just answer. Slowly start putting the pressure on. By the way, we're realizing that maybe everybody should just bet with Charles. I feel like Charles, <laughs> ever since he came into our, our game, has been like red hot. I think he went eight and one, something like that. Paul uh, went eight and I'm one. I think he went seven and two. Seven and two for yeah. Charles. I'm looking right now. It's six and three. Six, oh, and, six oh. and three. Yeah. All right. Well, I had. I went Chris six and three. a second from the push. Like that's rough. Oh, you were over. I was over. So, yeah. th- by the way, and that's a controversial one because there are other people. It's almost impossible. By the way, when you're getting into tenths of seconds, like exactly when you start. This is one of those. I mean, what we were looking th- at yesterday it was a two hundred one point nine. Yeah, it was like two hundred one point nine. Was the number that uh, we said DraftKings DraftKings Draft paid out at? So the difference between two hundred one point nine and two hundred two point one is almost non-existent, right? Like that can be human error in the difference of point two seconds. It's almost an absurd thing. The more I think about it, the more absurd I realize it is that we participate in the over/under on the national anthem because it's almost impossible. I know that we have very scientific uh, like timing mechanisms, and that's what we use for like running the uh, 40-yard dash, for example, out of the combine. Because we act like the difference between somebody running a 4-3 and someone running a 4-6 is drastic. It is. Right? It like, is. Yeah. We a- if you run a 4-6, you, you can't be in this league. <laughs> Dude, you couldn't tell the difference between a 4-3 and a 4-6. 
with your life on the line, you would say those guys are exactly as fast as each other. They're exactly – what's your 40 time right now, Charles? What would you run? I haven't run a 40 since senior year of high school. What would you run? Oh, I don't know, like 4.8, something like that. That sounds about, it sounds about – by the way, very fast for any normal human. Yeah. But But if you ran that at the Combine – Oh, it'd be disaster. Yeah. We'd say it's over. Charles is out. We couldn't possibly hire him in the NFL. We can't tell the difference. Um, the moral of the story being, Charles did just well enough, as it turns out, to avoid having to join in on this punishment. So Griffin will unveil the picture in a minute. Also coming up this morning, it's Tuesday, Patrick Stevens will join us as he does every week. We will talk uh, Maryland basketball after their win over Penn State. Of course, showdown with Purdue on Thursday night. What the hell's going on with Towson, man? What know. is? They don't want to finish games anymore. What is happening there? They lose last night at William and Mary. That's no good. Ugh. William and Mary could not miss a three. They were like, aye, 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 they missed aye, aye. one one more three. That would have been. been Towson cool. still got to look at the end of the game, right? Like, uh, like no, not really. They, they had like the, they had the ball. They, they, yeah, they had an inbound. Yeah, they, like yeah. they were inbounding from the side of the of the court. So they had like a like a lob towards the basket. Oh, okay. All right. Like well, I thought there was enough time left that they could have gotten a shot off. That like was point eight or point nine on the. Clock. I don't know why you were lobbing to the basket in that situation instead of trying to run a play to get yourself yeah, a shot. Nick Timberlake gets up there. That's enough uh, for a turnaround shoot. Yeah, right. That's a lot of time. Point nine. I don't know. Whatever. Either anyway, way. anyway, Either we'll way. talk about they that. They lost and a wild first weekend of uh, lacrosse as well with Patrick Stevens. Our uh, weekly NFL draft segment this week. Tony Pauline, Pro Football Network, will check in with us. Uh, noted Led Zeppelin fan. We've been friends with Tony for a very long time. We'll get his thoughts on what the Ravens could do with the 22nd pick in the NFL draft. And speaking of the NFL draft, Muhammad Ibrahim, who's definitely not Muhammad Ibrahim. Who thought it was that? Everyone! (laughs) Not happy about this. I'll tell the story later in the show. (laughs) Including Glenn Clark. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Gus Johnson. Um, Baltimore native, All-American, All-Big Ten running back. Uh, during his career at the University of Minnesota, set like every school record during the course of his career at the University of Minnesota. He's getting ready for the NFL draft. He's getting ready for the combine first and then the NFL draft. We will catch up with uh, him a little bit later on this morning as well. Him, but not Ibrahim. Like, very different thing. I want to make that abundantly clear. By the way, given the connotation for the word him now, maybe you think about it? Remember, Joe Theismann was not always Joe Theismann. His actual name was Joe Thiesman, but when he got to college and there was a trophy that was called the Heisman Trophy, somebody said, hey, Joe, you should be. maybe you go ahead and be Joe Heisman, Theisman, <laughs> because it rhymes with Heisman and maybe improves your chances of winning the trophy. And he was like, oh, you know, you might be onto something there. And I'm not trying to tell it's it's somebody's name. I want to make it abundantly clear. They get to be what their name is. But maybe, given the fact that we're obsessed with the word him now, like it's all we come up with, maybe you think about it? Maybe you consider that possibility? So you've been on to something, maybe. Maybe I'm an innovator. That might be what happened here. Anyway, we'll talk to uh, Muhammad a little bit later on in the show. Looking forward to that. He's, uh, He's great. All right. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department. Today, right now, you can get over to Parkville, go to the Northeast Regional Recreation Center, and you can take your agility test right now and get yourself on your path to your new career with the Baltimore County Police Department. 
cadet salary start at just thir- or start at thirty two thousand. I always say start at just because like you're trying to sell something and you make it seem cheap. It's not the way that you want to promote a salary. <laughs> salaries just. are good things. <laughs> so salaries for cadets start at thirty two thousand six hundred eleven dollars. Uh, for lateral officers, over $64,000. For entry-level officers, over $60,000 with a $10,000 signing bonus available for entry-level or lateral officers. If you can't make it out today, big hiring event coming up on Saturday, February 25th at the Public Safety Building, 700 East Joppa Road in Towson. You can take your agility test, the written test. You can get through all the application process right there on site they are hiring. Join BaltimoreCountyPD.com. Join BaltimoreCountyPD.com or 410-887-5542 if you have questions about joining the Baltimore County Police Department. All right, nothing significant news-wise yesterday. I know everybody's reacting to, like, the apparently Washington's going to talk to Greg Roman. I hope that means that they know they're out on Eric Bieniemy. Like, I hope that's the reason why suddenly they're interested in Greg Roman. I don't much care what Greg Roman does now. I, and I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but, like, he's not in Baltimore any longer, so why do I care? How does it impact my life? I, I guess if you're a Washington fan and you hear all of your Raven fan friends bitching about Greg Roman, you're probably not very excited about the idea of your team interviewing Greg Roman. But for what it's worth, Greg Roman was wildly productive. I know it's the part that we want to pretend like never happened here in Baltimore, and I get it. But he was. He was wildly productive. And I'm not sure if you paid attention to what's going on in Washington, but they're not that. They're not productive. Everybody's like, yeah, he wins a lot in the regular season. They don't do that there. So maybe they say to themselves, hey, we'll take that. Now They got Sam Hell. You know, yes, maybe. but that's also weird, right? Like through in, in all three of his stops, he's had – a significant mobile quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, Colin Kaepernick, and Lamar Jackson. I don't really know what the fit would be with Sam Howell. What pick, like, what pick is Washington? They get, maybe they, unless they I go for Anthony Richardson or I something. I don't remember. Yeah, Not so that Anthony Richardson is obviously Lamar Jackson. but No, but that's – I, I mean, the would be the mobile quarterback that would be available in the draft. Um I don't I don't pay enough attention to Washington for the record, so I don't off the top of my head know. Hang on, Washington has the sixteenth pick in the NFL draft. Okay. So yes, they would be like they would not likely to be in the conversation for Young or Stroud and, and Levis wouldn't fit this anyway. Anthony Richardson is by far the most court. He's the closest to any of these guys that we've talked about that's available in the draft. At at least available early in the draft. Um, they are publicly remaining very committed to the idea that Sam Howell is their quarterback. Again, as I said before, that's what they're going to do because even if they want to be in the market for a quarterback in the draft, if they don't get it, then Sam Howell's going to have to be their quarterback, and they don't want to spend three months saying, yeah, we just don't really don't like that guy. <laughs> like we don't, we don't think he can be the answer, and then have to turn around and be like, all right, Chief, go ahead, get out there. <laughs> Let's see what you can do. I mean, that's the reality of it. It's what I talk about. You know, people not being honest, they don't know. They might really like Sam Howell, but they also might like the idea of finding a quarterback too. But you just don't know if you're going to be able to get that guy. Maybe in their minds they are praying that Lamar Jackson is available and Dan Snyder still makes the calls for now, and so he's willing to give up 80 picks in order to get Lamar Jackson. And so, you know, I 
I, I don't. That's a complicated situation. Again, I don't care about anything that's going on in Washington. But if they don't do that, then they're gonna have to turn around and say, "All right, Sam, go ahead, go ahead, get out there. Let's see what you got." So I get why they certainly would not trash him or tell you that they were trying to do something else, knowing it's possible no matter what that Sam Howell might end up having to be their guy. Um, again, not my concern, and I and I'm not just no disrespect. I don't care. It's Washington. Do whatever you want to do. We're worried about. <laughs> We got plenty of our own things to worry about up here. We got plenty of things needing a coordinator ourselves. I hope the only impact that I hope, I hope it means that they're out on Eric Bieniemy, and that improves the chances of the Ravens ending up with Eric Bieniemy. I hope that there's some sort of connection between those two things, but that doesn't necessarily mean that whatsoever. The other news from yesterday regarding the offensive coordinator search that got everybody hot and bothered was the word from Josina Anderson. She said, I'm told Cliff Kingsbury had conversations Sunday with the Ravens about potentially joining their staff. However, those talks did not produce an imminent fit on timing and other factors at this specific time, per a league source. That's a hell of a word salad, right? Yeah. Like, I, and I'm not trying to take a shot at Josina Anderson. I, I think she's reporting something factual. I just don't know exactly what the facts are that she's reporting. Cliff Kingsbury in the building. Cliff Kingsbury clearly, to, to her point, had a conversation with the Ravens. Was that a formal conversation? I was Cliff was Kingsbury from Thailand? Pre- presumably, well, I would think that maybe at this point he's back in Arizona, and you know the entire league was out in Arizona last week, so you know they bump into each other. Like, hey, what what are you thinking about? Someone right? Saw John Harbaugh and uh, well, I mean, was Harbaugh out there. I, I, I assume like the the owners all. Get together at the Super Bowl. So normally all of the coaches are like normally everybody involved with the NFL does at least something during the course of the Super Bowl week. It's very rare that, you know, a a decision maker in the NFL doesn't at least make a cameo appearance during the course of the week at the Super Bowl because there's just so much going on and every like the entire football world descends upon one city. So the most likely scenario is they're out there. They're like, hey, man, let's chat. But. Nothing about this tweet says you would think if they interviewed him for offensive coordinator, she would have just said to fill their offensive coordinator vacancy. But she didn't say that. She said, I'm told Cliff Kingsbury a conversation Sunday with the Ravens about potentially joining their staff. That's a vague sentence. You see a lot of these advisors lately. Like sure, offensive right. Offensive advisors, maybe something like that. Alabama does it every year. They take somebody who got fired and they say, congratulations, you're going to be a consultant with us for a year. And they'll get you back. We'll fix you and get you back on the path to whatever job you want to have in the future. Frankly, Mike Loxley, once upon a time, was someone who took advantage of that. And it completely turned his career around after a disastrous stint as the head coach out at New Mexico and got him back on the radar in order to become the head coach. He got the job he wanted all along out of his stint at Alabama where he's able to come back home and be the coach at Maryland where he's finding success. Um, it's absolutely possible that after they heard about the Thailand story, they said, well, it's pretty clear the dude doesn't want to be a coordinator. But maybe he'd want a role. Maybe he'd want to be involved in some capacity and we could find a way that maybe he doesn't have to be there on game days or he doesn't have to... He could do it remotely. Whatever it is that Cliff King- Kingsbury is looking for because we believe, based on the Thailand story, that he wants to kind of detach a little bit. So maybe we find something that could fit for him. I'm I'm speculating, clearly. I'm yeah. wildly speculating. But it's just the vagueness of the tweet that leads me to speculating because I, 
I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury was talked to about offensive coordinator why Josina Anderson wouldn't have just said, the Ravens have an offensive coordinator opening. They talked to Cliff Kingsbury about it. That would be what I would report if I if that was the case. Maybe this is something to like interest Lamar. Like maybe just working with Cliff Kingsbury could you know make Lamar more inclined to want to stay and stick around. Just be- what would make that? Because Lamar wants to be he wants to be more more of a passer, and Cliff P- Kingsbury if- had one of the most prolific passing offenses in college football. I hear you, football. but based on so. what we, the relationship that we seem to see between Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, yeah. I'm not really sure what would be appealing. Speculating again, it didn't seem like they had the rift. Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. It seemed like Murray and the uh, the management. Well, had it definitely seemed like that was a more significant. But like everything about that situation was so weird, right? Like everything about it was so weird on so many levels. But I it, did not watch the, the hard knock. It kind of so gave a vibe of like the management didn't like what Murray was doing, but Cl- Kingsbury was wasn't all in. enforcing. All right. all right, like he didn't mind. All right, not necessarily didn't mind, but like it was just one of those things where he was like. He's gonna do what he's gonna do. Okay. In the management. Well, if that's it. look, if that's the case, then maybe that's exactly what you're talking about. And that's you're why trying we to find, find a, both out. Yeah. You're trying to find sort of a liaison for Lamar Jackson to appeal. Look, man, this is gonna be your guy. You're gonna answer to him. Once upon a time, when Cam Cameron was offensive coordinator in Baltimore, the Ravens would go through. Um, Hugh Jackson was one. I believe Jim Zorn was another. And sometimes they were called the. Co- All right, fine. <laughs> But but Lamar liked or uh, sorry, but Joe Flacco liked him. Um, sometimes they would call him the quarterbacks coach. Sometimes they would give him a you know one of these other titles, consultant, analyst, whatever they would give them. And it was a very like specific thing. Your job is to be Joe's guy. Your job is to work as the liaison because Joe and Cam were, eh, like they they didn't dislike each other anyway. They just didn't. They didn't have that type of vibe, and Joe really liked having someone that was kind of his guy. And so, yeah, that could absolutely be a similar scenario here where, dude, you be Lamar's guy. Just work with us with Lamar. Try to help the entire relationship between franchise and franchise player. We're in a delicate time right now. We could use that. So... Yes, absolutely it's possible that that's the story of the Ravens having a conversation with Cliff Kingsbury is we want you to be some sort of in-between whoever the offensive coordinator ends up being and our quarterback. And your job is that relationship. I don't know if, you know, again, to this word salad of a tweet, and I'm, I'm not trying to take a shot at Jocena Anderson, who's a professional. It's just it's so hard to parse this. However, those talks did not produce an imminent fit on timing and other factors at this specific time. There's like eight qualifications in that sentence. Did not produce an imminent fit. So could produce one in the future. But an imminent fit on timing. (laughs) Wait a second. So, so just not today or yesterday. But but like, doesn't imminent already cover that, or is it like, or does she mean by timing like when he would start, or again to the point that I brought up earlier, how often he would have to be there? Is it a role and other factors? <laughs> what other factors? It's just at this specific time. Again, there's so many qualifiers in this sentence. I don't know how to parse through it. I, it's a lot. It's a lot, man. And again, I I like I, Josina Anderson is a professional. I'm not trying to take a shot at her. I have 
put out some very wordy sentences and tweets in my life that I would go back and look at and say, what the hell was I trying to say there? Like, exactly what was I attempting to say? This is very much one of those tweets. That, that sentence, however those talks did not produce an imminent fit on timing and other factors at this per- specific time, I, your guess is as good as mine, Chief, as to what that sentence is supposed to mean. She's professionally saying, like, that Kingsbury just said, all right, I'll get back to you guys. I, like, And by the <laughs> way, that's what I think is probably that, like, she's trying to say, what she's trying to say is, he didn't say hell no. He just sort of said, eh, I don't know. Get back to you. Right? We'll see. And I think there's a much better way of saying that, of conveying that message within a sentence than however these talks did not produce an imminent fit on timing and other factors at this specific time. Jesus, I get a headache just trying to read that sentence. <laughs> I think that's what that meant, right? I think you're right, Charles. So we'll see. It's interesting I would presume I don't know how you go to somebody like that if you don't know who your coordinator is though. Like how do you have this conversation yeah. with Cliff Kingsbury and say, "Hey, would you come work with someone to be determined?" Well, I was thinking it's one of those things that goes hand in hand. Whoever their quarterback is or their situation is, Cliff Kingsbury can stay away and like you guys said earlier remotely, they can just send him the game film of who well, they're playing that, the next week. If that's week. the role, right. And it's if, just like, if, give us a couple if, feelers and hints and tips. If the role is more of an analyst yeah. role, absolutely. If the role is more of a quarterback specialist role, then yeah. that probably wouldn't work. And that's the thing. We have no idea what that role But regardless, be. it benefits him because he stays in the game while still having a Presumab- step back. Presumably, yeah. right? Although if he's looking directly to get back into being a head coach somewhere, I don't know that you want to step all the way back to part-time analyst Typically, if your priority is getting back to being a head coach, then you want to get back to being a coordinator as quickly as you possibly can, have a highly productive year, and then remind everybody that you're still capable of being a coach. I think it's a long shot for Cliff Kingsbury to get another NFL head coaching job anytime soon. I think like you would need to have... How long was Josh McDaniels between head coaching gigs? Oh, uh, shoot. When like was his first one? Well, eight years, something like that. I well, mean, he it was almost a- got that Colts job, or I guess he did get the Colts job, but then, you know, it just didn't. Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels was was head coach in Denver 2009-2010. So he went 12 years between head coaching gigs. When when it doesn't go well in an NFL head coaching gig. Look, it didn't go well for Adam Gase, and he was able to turn around and get another job. So, yeah, that's what I was immediately right? thinking. I think it goes more in the favor of the Adam Gase situation for Kingsbury, where he will end up getting another job. I, and I not hear waiting. you, but everybody panned the Adam Gase thing. Like, typically when it doesn't go well, you don't immediately get that. It's more rare for the Adam Gase thing to happen than it is for when it doesn't go well, you'd have to almost reestablish yourself as a coordinator. On the flip side, I think Cliff Kingsbury could get a college job tomorrow if he wanted one. And I mean a high-level college job. It didn't go well for Matt Rule in Carolina. He turned around and got a historic, I get it, Nebraska has stunk for a long time, but it's still a historic you know, place that matters where the stadium's packed every week. Nebraska football, as much as they've been bad, is still a blue blood type of program. And Matt Rule, despite his failures at Carolina, was able to turn around and get that job very quickly. If Cliff Kingsbury wants to go back to college, I don't think it matters what role he has. I think he absolutely, this season, could work part-time, part-time with the Baltimore Ravens and turn around next year, and I'm just speculating about what job would become available next year if 
if for some reason, God, where who's on the hot seat right now? Mm. I don't even know. Who, I don't. It's a. That's a. That's. I don't the, pay the bear. Who's the bears? No, no, no. Not, uh, not, not, not in the NFL. Oh, I'm the talking NFL. Co- the college level. Oh. What's a college level job mm. that he could turn around and get anywhere next in the Pac-12? Like. Yeah, like I'm. Well, I mean, Ari- okay, Jed Fish at Arizona, right? Like he's not really done much. If a year from now he's got another four-win season, they just decide it's time to move on at the University of Arizona. Cliff Kingsbury would be at the top of the list of candidates for a major college coaching job. He, even though he didn't have a lot of success as the head coach, and actually, ironically, in Arizona, right? Like, you know, who knows if he just likes living out that way? I know Tucson's a, a bit far away from Phoenix, but. You know, he might just say, hey, that's cool for me. I want to be there. You don't think Texas Tech would take him back? I think Texas Tech would take him back in a heartbeat. Yeah. I just don't know enough about, you know, how Texas Tech is feeling at the moment. About I don't even know who Texas Tech is. If A&M's not happy. Who is Texas Tech's coach? If A&M's not happy with Jimbo Fisher at the end of uh, I think their they, season. For monetary but reasons. But they pay him a lot, yeah. So. I, I, I think they might be stuck with him, although I guess there's a lot of money at Texas A&M. They could probably always buy him out. Like, there are a lot of wealthy people. Connected Texas A&M. It Who is knows? Possible. He might be Alabama's offense coordinator next year. A thousand percent. Oh. Like I think a lot of people are surprised he doesn't already have a role at Alabama at this point. Like that's normally the way these things work. Um, look, I, I, am I'm, I'm intrigued by the idea of Cliff Kingsbury being part of the Ravens staff because I think he's a good offensive mind, and I think the Ravens can use more offensive minds. But I just. I don't know enough. I didn't learn enough in that tweet to get a feel for what that means for the Cliff Kingsbury situation. And even in an analyst role, if I'm Cliff Kingsbury, I would still want to know who the coordinator is before I would take that job. Even in a part-time, remote type of gig. Brian Billick did that with Arizona State last year. We've talked to him about it, right? Like where he went out there a couple of times, but he certainly was not full-time out there he was doing analyst stuff for him they were sending him things he was looking at it and you know giving his feedback and and going over film things like that is that when herm edwards is still there yeah well he stuck on even after they let go of herm edwards but yeah marvin was doing the same thing like they were all friends they were all involved it was a neat story um Actually, there's a chance that Brian might stay on in that role. I didn't. I, I didn't. We didn't ask him about it last week because we had other things to talk about. But I wouldn't be surprised. Like, it's an easy role to have at this point in your life. Why not do something like that? And why wouldn't a place want to have one other set of eyeballs that's been a Super Bowl winning head coach just to look at ideas? Like, you're not making the decisions. You're just giving us some feedback, giving us some thoughts. Um, you know, I. I think even in that role, I would still want to have that answer if I'm Cliff Kingsbury. Like, okay, dude, but but who's the coordinator? And if the answer from the Ravens is we're not sure yet, well, get back to me yeah. when you know, right? Like, you know, talk to me in timing you know, and other factors. Correct. Yeah. Like, talk to me in a week, and we'll have that imminent answer at that point. And maybe they did. Maybe they said, well, look, you know, it's going to be the enemy. We just got to wait a couple days. Like, he's got to go do a parade. You know, we got to go through all those things. And then Cliff Kingsbury said, well, let me talk to him, and then I'll get back to you. Let me figure out, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows how that played out? But it's, it is intriguing. I, I have no issue with, you know, that being explosive yesterday. It's a name everyone is familiar with. It's a thought-of offensive mind. And if Cliff Kingsbury is getting involved, you would think it's because he knows the Ravens do want to kind of change their offensive concepts a little bit and I don't think that Cliff Kingsbury would want to be involved with the Ravens offense where they say to him but we're going to run the ball more than anybody in the NFL like I don't think that that's why would you be talking to Cliff Kingsbury about that that wouldn't make 
a whole lot of sense. I'm trying to think if there was anything else in the last 24 hours that I felt like I needed to respond to. I feel like those are the two big ones from yesterday were the Greg Roman thing and the Cliff Kingsbury thing. This is that time of year where any mm-hmm. any tweet, any tweet, because that's what we've got. That is what it is that we're talking about. All right. Colts have a new head coach. Yes. Well, yeah, but we knew that. Yeah. Like, over the weekend, we figured that out. We did? That it was going to be Shane Steichen? Yeah. They announced, yeah okay. they, I mean, they didn't announce it because they had to wait for the game to be played. But the, it, the reports started coming over the weekend that he was going to take the job. And that's why Brian Johnson... Remember, I said yesterday it was possible the Ravens were waiting on Brian Johnson right. through the Super Bowl, but the most likely scenario now becomes that Brian Johnson will end up getting the Eagles' offensive coordinator job, unless he just doesn't like it there and he yeah. wants out, right? In which case, let's talk. But you would think the most likely scenario is that Brian Johnson gets elevated to offensive coordinator in Philadelphia, and that would take him off the list of candidates for someone like Baltimore. You would think. Again, don't. I'm speculating again. I don't know. Believe it or not, Brian Johnson didn't, and I didn't go out and have drinks last night to discuss this situation. Uh, but you would think that that would be the case, that Brian Johnson would get the OC job in Philly, and he would be off the list of candidates for teams like the Ravens. I, boy, who did the Jets hire yesterday? Oh, my God. It was one of the most off. Like Only other thing I saw was the Panthers added Jim Caldwell to their staff. I love Jim with Caldwell. With Frank Wright. I'm, so. I love Jim Caldwell. So I'm, He's one of the... The, obviously was the offense coordinator 10 years ago when the Ravens won the Super Bowl. Um, just a great, great guy. I actually uh, heard our friend, as much as I like Jim Caldwell, our buddy Josh Charles sent me some messages about Jim Caldwell and like personal conversations he's had with him. And I was like, wow, I, I like him even more now. The Jets hired someone yesterday, Todd Downing. All right, so Todd Downing, I know nothing about. But I was at the gym yesterday, and I'm watching the ticker on ESPN as I'm working out. And the ticker announcing that the Jets had hired Todd Downing followed up with two things. Pass game coordinator. That's that's what they hired him for. But they followed up with two things. Was the Titans offensive coordinator when they went from 13th ranked offense in the NFL to 28th ranked offense (laughs) in the NFL? And then the next, like, so you know how the ticker goes. Like, the first one is Jets hired, you know, Todd Downing. Next, then they flip it. Next one says, was Titans OC as offense went from 13th to 28th. <laughs> and then the next one was, and was arrested for DUI. Oh, man. <laughs> and you're like, who uh, he, So he was that guy with the Titans. That, yeah, I get, okay. but like it makes you think that somebody, that whoever was building the ticker was like a Jets fan. Yeah. That was just was super like, okay. down on the idea of Todd Downing and just wanted to trash the poor guy. I would say poor guy. I mean, he I, he did it to himself, whatever he did, but just was looking for a way to trash him publicly. It was one of the funniest sets of tickers that I have ever seen in my entire life. Um, yeah, he replaced Arthur Smith as offensive coordinator last season. It did not go well. So I'm uh, reading up on a little bit of his history. Um, he is the PFF quarterbacks coach of the year in 2015. Uh, God damn. He, was on the he was the Raiders quarterback coach that year. And their quarterback was Derek Carr. He threw 8,000 yards, 60 touchdowns, 19 picks. I, I, look, Does man, that set up a Derek Carr signing oh, and for the Jets? You, oh, that is an yeah, interesting – that's an interesesting well, – so, yeah, That's what Rappaport tweeted yesterday. He was like, well, now they have Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett right, who worked with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers yeah. right, and, and Downing, Downing to try to Tannehill get – or Carr. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, boy. Could you imagine being a Jets fan and setting yourself up for Aaron Rodgers and ending up with Ryan Tannehill? And then Robert Salah and Garoppolo, obviously. All oh, right, so they've got yeah. connections to literally yeah, all, all of the, them. all the available quarterbacks. Which just means it's going to be Zach Wilson again next year. <laughs> like, you just know how this is going to go. Like, somebody up front is going to say, well, we got to give him one more shot. 
Somehow it ends up being Flacco. (laughs) Yes. I think Joe might retire this offseason. I think think it might I think it might be time for for, like when you're the I mean people are gonna keep giving you contracts. I know, but when you're the third quarterback behind Zach Wilson and Mike well, White. Well, that's because he was the second overall pick. Like, yeah. I, no, but behind Mike well, White, once, they eventually benched Zach Wilson, and then he was. I understand, the but then they turned to Mike White. If you're behind Mike White well, again, on the depth because chart, the Jets are trying to figure out if they got something in Mike. They White. didn't have something in Mike White. We all knew they didn't have something in Mike White. They do Stop. like they do like once each season. So <laughs> Stop. <laughs> These like, backups are good for. Three games. I max. just feel like at some point you got to be saying to yourself, like, eh, I mean, is it worth it still? Like, what am I doing? And by the way, I've always said I'm not knocking you if you just keep collecting checks. Right. Like, I will never knock someone that continues to collect checks. However, I will say, at some point, the argument is always there's always going to be more money being a quarterback than there is doing something else. I don't know what that money is like for Joe Flacco any longer. It might not be more money than he could get doing something else at this point. So we will see. All right. Do you want it? Let's go ahead and do it. This is the moment. This is what oh, everybody's been waiting for. Sharing out. Today's, sharing show, out the- today's show is also brought to you by, or just a reminder, the gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. And remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Griffin was a loser. Actually went 5-4. and four. He didn't have a terrible week. But it was a loser, he and Ken Zalas, in our bet. And so because of that, the payoff is that Griffin had to take a Tom Brady-style thirst trap photo. Now, I was out last night uh, playing trivia with John Proctor. Oh, uh, that's when I sent it to you? When you <laughs> sent it to me. And I walked back in from the bathroom. You're not supposed to have your phone out. Uh, but I had happened to go to the bathroom. And I got the text. And I said, oh, that's really great. <laughs> like, that... He really, and so I brought it back and I showed John, and John was like, "Damn, he went for it." And I was like, I "Really? Like, I'm we're really proud." Thanks. So <laughs> what you did is you took the picture in like a, a dormitory room or yeah, something. That's my, that's what just it, my bedroom, right? Yeah. Well, it looks like a dorm room. <laughs> and then you attempted to to set it with the background of Tom Brady yeah, on you know, the tropical beat. islands, right? Right. <laughs> like you attempted the problem being. There was a Shutterstock watermark. Well, I thought that was kind of the bit. Like it was just that it was so fake. I and I and I get what you were thinking, and I really appreciated the effort. I did appreciate the effort. Like Griffin went way beyond anything I would have done in attempting to put the picture on a Tom Brady background. We decided to just send out the original. Like, and I asked, I I ran it by Proctor too to see what he thought, and Proctor said, "Yeah, I think you just run the the actual picture." Okay. I said, "That's what I think too." Um. Are you nervous at all? Because we're going to understand. We're going to be pinning this <laughs> to our Twitter for 24 hours. For 24 hours, if somebody goes to twitter.com slash Radio, they're going to see you in your underpants. Yeah. I mean, I guess, no. Grabbing your know. junk. Yeah. No, I was just covering. Yeah, I mean, but there's not really any difference there. <laughs> you at all worried about, like, you know, a potential employer seeing this? You all worried about? I guess about? I should be. You should be, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Look, man, I pose nude, and I'm still employed by a Jesuit school, so I don't <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Um, so I guess, no, not really. Okay. I mean, you're, you're comfortable. Yeah, I'm comfortable with it, you know. But I, I mean, we, I think you look good, buddy, by the way. Thanks, I think, I think this is, uh, I think you should feel good about yourself. I think that this one uh, is one, that you might get a, you might get a couple phone numbers out of this. Maybe. Fantastic. Maybe we send this one to old Dixie Girl. Maybe uh, we send yeah, this just, one just, to. Just DM that one straight to her. 
I think yeah, I will. I the, think I might pass this you're along. You're going to do that. Oh, oh I think man. I might pass it along to old Dixie D'Amelio, who we, uh, we learned that Griffin is a fan of. Yeah, I mean, so. I guess I got another Tinder pick now. So that's, There you go. Yeah. There you go. Maybe I'll use the Shutterstock one. All right. For uh, you want to go ahead and uh, and get it uh, get it up on Twitter? Yeah, sure. All right. Let me know. Let me know All when right, it's posted, and then we will uh, grab a break here. As Griffin is indeed. Oh, actually, it might take a minute. I got to re-log into our. I got to re-log into our. God's sakes. All right. We'll do it during the break. Yeah. All right. Here's what we'll do. We'll take a break. When we come back in, the picture will be posted for all of you to enjoy. Happy Valentine's Day from us. Griffin doing his Tom Brady thirst trap, and it will be available for 24 hours and then deleted. Not just unpinned. Deleted. Thank God. All right? It's gone. Got to get your screenshots. It, it disappears from the Internet forever. So you got 24 hours to enjoy this photo of Griffin. And by the way, again, remember, he is legal. He's legal. I promise. You might be a little confused when you look at it at first and say, no, I promise you, he's legal. Everything's good here. All right, so enjoy the photo. Um, when we come back in, we will talk some Terps, some college hoops, some college lacrosse. Patrick Stevens joins us as he does every Tuesday. That's next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual best of issue. On the cover, we recognize Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman as our 2022 Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year. And he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the Birds' turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets start at over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license, and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. 
If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressbox online. And you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. We're going to talk some college lacrosse here in one second with Patrick Stevens. Did you know that you can bet on college lacrosse this season? Bet $5 and get $200 in instant bonus bets when you go to PressBoxOnline.com and sign up with DraftKings. This is your chance to have fun and make a few bucks betting on your favorite college lacrosse teams. That's PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and click on the DraftKings link to get your $200 worth of lacrosse bonus bets. Get signed up right now. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio, and let me uh, double-check right now. I can confirm Griffin's Thirst Trap photo is now available and pinned at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter for you to go check it out right now. That's that's a pretty good Tom Brady right there, my friend. That is not bad at all. Uh, 24 hours at 10.42 tomorrow, we delete it eternally. It will be gone. Gone. Daddy gone. The love is gone. That's the way that it will go. It's Tuesday, so that means we're going to talk some Terps, some college hoops, some college lacrosse with our friend, college sports guru. You follow him on Twitter, at Discourse, D1S Course. You read him in the Washington Post and USA Lacrosse Magazine. He is our buddy, Mr. Patrick Stevens, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Patrick, what's going on, sir? Always good to catch up. Good to talk. Hey, I uh, don't normally this time of year begin the conversation with lacrosse, but uh, what a weekend it was this weekend. An awful lot going on, specifically in terms of Johns Hopkins and Loyola. How much do we say, boy, we have really learned something early on in the season versus saying, it's one result. Maybe we don't read into it too much just yet. Well, it is one result. And I think the one thing that I take from it is, is maybe we're going to have a year where we have these sorts of surprises, where we don't really n- know everything, right? Like, think about the last three seasons in college lacrosse. Like, there was barely enough time to work up a lather yeah. in 2020 before the season got canceled. So, like, that's, a, that's almost a complete wash. And then in 2021, I mean, the results were, and all were nice. But, you know, think back to two years ago. We were just thrilled when we saw games getting completed. Like, the thought <laughs> wasn't, well, what happens if this happens? Right. It was, can we just, can, can the games just be played? And then last year, it felt like Virginia and Maryland were a tier above everybody else. And then Maryland blasted Virginia, and things kind of took on a sense of inevitability that was never really shaken until about the last five to ten minutes of that game on Memorial Day when Maryland basically sputtered to the finish line and had just enough to get by. And so you know, maybe this is a year where, where we really didn't know all that much going in. Uh, you know, I think we talked uh, a couple weeks back with Charlie Toomey, and I asked, you know, does this feel like 2012 a little bit, where everybody's kind of overlooking you? Maybe that's the case. Certainly, I think you take away from, from Saturday that Luke Stout played really, really well and backed up no doubt. Uh, that faith that Charlie Toomey had in him. Uh, I think when you look at Hopkins, uh, a one-goal victory over a good team at home. Okay, that's a that's a good step forward for them to go with that victory at Jacksonville to open the season. Who by the uh, which, which, so which looks sudden, a little bit better, obviously, with their win over Duke. 
which looks a little bit better with their victory over Duke. So, you know, I think for Hopkins, you're, you're looking at them as, I don't know if I'm willing to, to pronounce that team as back or anything, but I think they're better. And, and I thought they were going to be better. I thought they were, I believe what we were talking about was, you know, what, what could they be? And, and there was kind of an upper range to that, that it certainly seems possible that they might be in there. Defensively, they're clearly back. Uh, after what we've seen over the first couple weeks. So, you know, they play tonight against North Carolina this afternoon, 5 o'clock at Homewood, and that'll be a fun game to see and kind of see how they deal with that quick turnaround uh, before they head off to uh, Loyola uh, come Saturday. Uh, But I think both of those teams certainly appear to be better than maybe we were giving them credit for, but it's still early. At the very least, what we we would definitely say is both of those teams have victories that are probably going to hold up pretty well over the course of the season. Uh, and that's a good thing to have, especially if you're Loyola, quite frankly, because the league doesn't help you quite as much as Hopkins. That's a great point. And obviously it sets up for what could potentially be a pretty electric Saturday uh, coming up this week between Loyola and Hopkins. All right, um, let's get into basketball. I, you know, I, I don't know that there's a lot to take away from Maryland's win over Penn State. I brought this up with Len Elmore yesterday because he was on the call for the game. I don't know if you noticed this on Saturday, Patrick, but I – It was the first time it jumped out at me that it felt like Maryland was purposely running more sets where whoever was running the offense, whether it was Jameer Young or someone else, was was running it from inside the three-point line. Like, almost Mm -hmm. as if they were kind of acknowledging their deficiencies and saying, we need to do something different. Was I crazy in thinking that was something, or did you notice a little bit of that too? I think there's some of that, but I also think some of that's probably opponent specific too. Okay. Uh, when you look when you look at Penn State, you know they're playing Pickett at the four. I mean, Pickett Pickett's a tough, good guard, but he's not your traditional four man by any stretch of the imagination. Sure. You know, and they had you know they had Lundy out there uh, in, in kind of a four, you know four five type thing. You know, Miles Dread, another one of those guys. Like we can keep going down the list of guys that that were kind of technically forwards the other day, but, you know, not really, right? And so, you know, I, I think that for that particular matchup where Penn State wasn't going to trot out a whole whole lot of size, it made sense to do that. Okay. Uh, and I think, too, I, so, so I think there's, there, there's probably, I think that's even better, frankly, for Maryland, that it is such an opponent-specific thing as opposed to, well, this is just sort of a dogmatic, this is how you're going to go about your business and this is how it's going to be sort of thing. That's an interesting point, right? Like that they were so prepared for any particular opponent that they had that idea in mind. This brings us to what you know is not maybe not the showdown of a, a number one matchup with Purdue having lost to Northwestern, but it is probably the biggest game of the year in College Park coming up on Thursday night. And I would think that again, as human as Purdue has looked, including when Maryland held them to fifty-eight points despite a disastrous start on the road. I, I, I don't know that I could say that Maryland's going to win this game on Thursday night, but I think they have a very real chance of winning this game on Thursday night, right? Yeah, and it, it actually reminds me a little bit, it, early years, might have been the first year that Maryland was in the league when Wisconsin came to town with Kaminsky, and okay. it's like, oh, well, Kaminsky's going to just roll over them. It does, it, you know, Even though, and they didn't, obviously, Maryland won that game, uh, this doesn't quite feel as overwhelming in a lot of ways, even though Purdue is a highly touted team with legitimate final four aspirations like that Wisconsin team was. And they're also a team that, that has a seven foot four guy. Well, obviously Kaminsky wasn't seven four, but you know, a, a, an imposing guy right, a in bit. the middle in, in yeah. Zach Eadie. So, 
Um, you know, ultimately, yeah, I, I think at the very least, we're sitting here looking at Purdue and, or at, and, and saying, well, they've lost their last two road games. And if you go back and you look at their other games, you know, recently away from home, they, they, they won by five at Michigan. They destroyed Minnesota, which everybody seems to be doing. Uh, they won by Michigan. They won by one at Michigan State on MLK Day. Uh, they won by two at Ohio State. They beat Penn State by thirteen at the Palestra. I mean, they won an overtime at Nebraska. It's not a great. Ro- it's a good enough road team to win games, mm-hmm. but it's not a team that's just that's just marching in places and demolishing people. And it hasn't been doing that all season. So I, I would fully anticipate a, a tight game come Thursday night in College Park. Is uh, Patrick Stevens is with us here on GCR. Is the assumption that Maryland's best chance is to try to replicate exactly what they did on the road, to you know, try to keep this game around 60 points and you know, you live with Zach Eady getting his, it's the way it's going to go, but if Julian Reese can do enough on the offensive end against Zach Eady, you're going to feel you you have an opportunity to win the game. Yeah, and I, and I think the other part of that is is can you can you bottle up those freshman guards? Yeah. And when you go back and you look at, at what happened the first time around, that that's basically what happened. I mean, you look at, at Fletcher Lawyer, you're happy to let him have seven points on, on three and nine shooting. Uh, you're happy to ha- let Braden Smith, you know, go ahead and, and, and get himself his eight points all at the foul line, stuff like that. You know, when you when you run down that list, you're you're content to let Edie get hit. Uh, and if he if he kills you on the glass, well, that's just sort of that's just sort of a price of doing business uh, with the roster that you have this season. But I, I think that if you're Maryland, you at least have something of a template to work with that you can say this has had some level of success. The thing that you don't want to have happen if you're Maryland is to spot Purdue a double digit lead early and then right. have to play from behind like you did the last time. Right. Uh, you know, it, it looks good on paper that you lost fifty eight fifty five in West Lafayette, but the truth of the matter is, is that you had to play catch up the entire game, and, and that really is not what you want to be doing. Uh, I would assume that, like uh, Hakeem Hart's career high, the twenty-three points, you would say that probably is more about the matchup that you just sort of laid out than it is that like Hakeem Hart has found some sort of special sauce and is ready to be a twenty-point scorer every night the rest of the season. That, yeah, I don't think I don't think that's what what's going on, but I do think that. Uh, that I do agree with with what Kevin Willard has been saying for much of the season, which is that if Hakeem Hart is engaged and playing well, Maryland's probably playing pretty well as well. So I mean, they're three and zero when he's gotten to twenty points this season. Uh, now, granted, that's Coppin, St. Peter's, who, who he had his, his actual career high against a couple years ago, and Penn State. Uh, but when you you know you look at some of those games, uh, you know they're in their first uh, in their first. Six losses, he was in single digits. So, you know, the two times that they've won when he got to double figures were 11 against Purdue and and 12 against Michigan State. So I do think that he is a vital piece for them. But we're probably not going to see him be the central figure in the offense again. That doesn't mean that he won't be a guy that's dishing it out a lot because I think that's something that they've really kind of latched onto and really like here over the last few weeks starting with that Wisconsin game when he had the career high eight assists. Do you have you don't happen to have his plus minus in front of you by chance, do you? It's it's I do not have yeah, it in front of you. It's me just now. an interesting based on those numbers that you like, you know, that that his had his best games and wins, his worst games and losses. It'd be interesting to know what his plus minus is. But I guess there's there's so many guys that are playing so many minutes, I don't know how drastic they can be, um, when you're a team that's as thin as Maryland is this season. Um on the local front, I, I, tough week for Towson, obviously, you know, I, I 
I don't know that any of these things are disastrous. It's not like they're getting blown out or anything like that, but you know, clearly not the type of results that you're looking for to try to to, to clinch one of those top seeds. No, and, and you know, I spent a fair bit of time thinking about Towson last night after I was driving home from a Maryland Eastern Shore Howard game in D.C. And the thing about Towson is, is that when you go back and you look at what they've done in league play, they have had a chance to win all but one of the games that that they lost. They're nine and five in the league, but in that Charleston game, you know, they they were actually tied with uh, with 15 seconds to go in overtime. And they were also ahead with 20 seconds left in regulation. Yeah. In the in the Drexel game, you know that was they were up by t- they were up uh, in overtime with two minutes to play, and and let that game get away. When you look at last night, they were ahead uh, going into the final minute, uh, and and so you kind of run through all this stuff. Only the Delaware game, they, they they played well against Hofstra up there. That was a game that they that they had a chance to win, and so. You feel like they're not that far away. You also feel like there isn't an adjustment period coming to not having Jason Gibson because that's basically been the way that it's been almost all season. You know, they have games where, you know, when you look at, for example, against Drexel, where they basically got almost nothing from anybody other than the main three guys they have in Cam Holden, Nick Timberlake, and Charles Thompson. They got a total of, uh, of 13 points from everybody else in that game. And you go, okay, well, maybe they need to spread it out. And then last night they spread it out some, and Ryan Conway had 11. But Nick Timberlake shot 1-9 from the floor and had five points. The bottom line is they just don't have as much margin for error as they thought they were. And I think that when you're seeing them losing, particularly a game like last night to to a second-division team in William & Mary, that that's a significant concern. And like you alluded to, you know, the the race at this point for them is get a top-four seed and at least only have to play three games in three days. And the fact that they still have to go to Wilmington and to Charleston mm-hmm. in the other order, it's Charleston and then Wilmington, to close out the regular season is going to make that tougher. If they had simply handled Drexel the other day, they would be in such better shape right now just because you know Drexel is that team that's chasing them for the fifth spot. I mean, if, if I give you Towson at, at 10-4 and four right now and Drexel is at 8-7, and seven, uh, you got to like your chances of being able to get two of those or even just one and hope that Drexel stumbles one other time and you're good to go. But I, I think if, if you're Towson, you, you, you now have some work to do starting Thursday at home against Delaware. You get A&T at home on Saturday. And then at this point, you might have to go win one of those road games at, on the last weekend of the season to go get that bye into the quarterfinals in the CA tournament. Anything else on the local hoops front that we need to cover, Patrick? Well, let's uh, let, let's do a quick little tour here. UMBC yeah. uh, won a couple games last week, so they're back into that mix. They're seven and five in the America East now. They have a sweep of Bryant, which is a, a pretty good thing to have, and they're tied for third uh, with Bryant and UMass Lowell. So, you know, I think that they are only a half game back of Binghamton, so they still have a chance there to get up to the number two line uh, in the America East. Uh, so, a good sign for for them to be able to do that. A good week for Navy as well, who's now tied for third in the uh, Patriot League after completing its season sweep of Army. Uh, the mids have won four in a row, seven of eight. And if they can pick off Lehigh, you know, the schedule gets kind of favorable the next couple games. They get Loyola at home and they go to a fading American team. 
I think Navy has a chance to get him get itself to second place in the Patriot League, which would mean two home games potentially before a likely, not yeah. guaranteed, but a likely trip to Colgate, which has already clinched the Patriot League's top seed, which is pretty impressive to be talking about that with two weeks left. Yeah, they've only lost one game in Patriot League play, right? Like they've they've been nuts. Yes. Yeah. Well, and they had, and that had snapped a twenty six game conference winning streak. So. You know, and they they've responded to that by beating Lehigh by 28 and Bucknell by 20. So you know, Colgate uh, not uh, not taking kindly to, to having uh, to, to having any sort of vulnerability shown there. They're still the clear cut favorite. No doubt. No doubt about it. All right, uh, guys, I, I am aware that the Adam Schefter has reported Todd Munkins, the guy for the Baltimore Ravens. I promise we're going to talk about it here in one minute. The Ravens have their new offensive coordinator. But before we do that, let's play our game. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB teams that this particular player has played for. I've got a pair of shortstops for you this week, Patrick. I will go okay. first with a man whose one all-star appearance admittedly was not in the city where I would have assumed that it would have been. He went on to become a manager. He is currently working as a coach for the Atlanta Braves. Four teams for two-time World Series champion and former Rookie of the Year Walt Weiss. Well, Walt Weiss was definitely in Oakland, and he was definitely in Florida, right? He most certainly was. The Florida one I had no memory of. It was one season in 1993. Was he in the expansion draft? And yeah, I think he was. Okay. Um, Colorado and Atlanta, the other there two? There you go. Four for four on Walt Weiss. I always think these are going to be trickier, and it turns out I'm wrong. Not tricky at all. So Jose Reyes was the other player that I had prepared for this morning. Jose okay. Reyes, also four teams. All right. Well, I think I can get three of them fairly easily. He was a Met yes. and a Marlin yes. and a Toronto Blue Jay for sure. Most certainly was. And then he finished 2015 somewhere else before coming back he to the finished Mets. Two, before coming back to the Mets, yes, right? Yes, he was traded in July of 2015, finished that year, and then re-signed with the Mets as a free agent. Oh, uh, was he a Cub? Not the Cubs. I, I I don't know why I remember this. You want one more guess at it, or do you want me to just tell you? No, no. You can, I, I, it, I, I'll just be throwing darts the, the, at this point. Col- Who was it? The Colorado Rockies was the other okay. spot for Jose Reyes. What's the schedule look like for you this week, sir? Well, I'll be at Homewood here later this afternoon sure. in a game that suddenly looks a bit more more interesting. Uh, and then tomorrow, GW and George Mason, their second game of the season. Maryland and Purdue Hoops on uh on thursday and then saturday gonna do a double dip along charles street uh hopkins and loyola lacrosse at noon towson north carolina a and p uh basketball uh in the afternoon later in the afternoon and then uh sunday making my way up to mount st mary's to see them play canisius and then monday will be uh, morgan state playing host to uh howard on the uh, last MEAC Monday of the season in wow. Baltimore, there's wow. one more after that, but everybody's on the road, so wow. might be worth the uh, might be worth yeah, might be time might there. be time for me to make it my way over. You're absolutely right about that, sir. All right, uh, at discourse D one S course on Twitter is how you follow him. Always appreciate it, my friend. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. All right. Awesome, Glenn. Take care. Patrick Stevens with us as he is every week here on GCR. Yes, uh, Todd Munkin is the guy for the Baltimore Ravens as their offensive coordinator. The first question that comes to mind is, 
why'd you wait so long if it was going to be Todd Munkin, right? Like, that's the first question that comes to mind is, was there someone else that you wanted that you weren't, like, I, I, I hate that that's where your brain goes instead of just talking about Todd Munkin, but your brain definitely goes to places like, were you trying to get someone else? And they said, hey, definitively, is Lamar Jackson going to be my quarterback? And you said, well, we don't know that. And they said, well, then we're not interested. And I'm not trying to create some sort of conspiracy theory, but you could have hired Todd Munkin whenever you wanted him. I don't know how else to read into it, no offense, that this wasn't your first choice. Todd Munkin was available to be had. Successful offense coordinator, George, let's be very clear about this. I don't think Todd Munkin's a bad hire by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's an intriguing hire. But you, it's very difficult to separate yourself from how did we get here? Who else did you want that made you want to wait in order to hire your coordinator, and why didn't you end up with them? And to be fair, it could be the other way around, right? It could be that they finally got to talk to whoever it was, Eric Bieniemy, Brian Johnson, whoever they were waiting for, and they just they said, eh, we don't think this is the right fit. Or maybe it really was that they were waiting out Brian Johnson all along, and the moment that Shane Stryken ended up getting the Colts job, it kind of took them out of the running for Brian Johnson because he just wanted to be the Eagles offensive coordinator. There are other scenarios that are unrelated to Lamar Jackson by which they could have ended up defaulting to Todd Munkin. But you can't help it. You can't help but start doing the math in your head of you interviewed him, you liked him, but not enough to hire him. Why was that? And given the timing of it, the most likely scenario is that it was related to someone who was coaching in the Super Bowl. Why didn't it work out with them? And you ju- it's very difficult to separate the thought that one of them, whoever it was, whoever it was Eric Bieniemy said, yeah, I'd love to come to Baltimore. I'm going to be working with Lamar, right? And the Ravens said, Probably. <laughs> And right. he said, what, what, what do you mean probably? The, 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 that Star Wars meme of, of Padme where she's like, you know, right? Oh, yeah, 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 right? yeah, 100%, right? right, right, right? And like the eyes. Yeah, yeah. and then just Anakin Skywalker. Mm-hmm, uh. mm-hmm. <laughs> like you can't, you just can't. I, I'm, I'm, I don't like doing wild speculation. I don't like being that guy. But there is an amount of attempting to do the math that's involved with this. There is an amount of I I can't separate this. You like Todd Munkin, fine. But if you really liked him, you didn't have to wait this long. Todd Munkin wasn't coaching in the Super Bowl, to my knowledge. He didn't get one of those Vic Fangio two week jobs, right? Like he didn't get a consultant's gig for a couple of weeks. God, imagine Vic Fangio <laughs> came in for two weeks to try to help out with the defense and they got cooked in the second half their worst performance of the year that's what everyone was pointing out like right? when he was with the broncos yeah the chiefs destroyed yes why was that the guy that yeah. you would want to bring in um you like todd munkin you can call tony pauline whenever we're supposed to call him i don't know right. what what you can call him. tony pauline we'll ask him about uh todd munkin tony covers the the league and 
certainly has seen what Todd Munkin's been doing at Georgia in his role as a scout. Um, you like Todd Munkin. You talk to him. You say, yeah, th- that could be our guy. But not yet. Hey, Tony, it's and why and, Radio in Baltimore. and what going? happened with whoever else it was uh, that you were this? interested in? That's that's what I that's just the part that I can't I can't shake from this. I can't. I, I Todd Munkin obviously things went well at Georgia the last couple of seasons. Previous to that, he had been in uh, Tampa as offense coordinator. He had his first offense coordinator experience all the way back in 1998 at Eastern Michigan. He had also been offense coordinator at Oklahoma State and head coach at Southern Miss. He is very qualified. I'm not down on Todd Munkin and probably someone that fits what we know traditionally the Ravens to want to be, a team that believes in running the ball and believes in playing AFC North-style football, not dramatically going to suddenly wildly become a team that's ready to throw the ball 60 times a game or something like that. Probably a good fit schematically with the personality that the Baltimore Ravens as a franchise have had over the years. But there's another side to this story. Why did it did they wait till now to hire Todd Munkin when they could have had him previously? What else happened here and what might it tell us about Lamar Jackson? Don't know. Don't know, not trying to Skip two steps in the process. Just know that's part of the conversation. Right, into hour number two of the program. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. It is time for us to have our weekly NFL draft segment. We're going to actually ask him first about Todd Munkin. We have been chatting with this man for years here on GCR. You see him at Pro Football Network or... Uh, wherever you find anyone listening to Led Zeppelin at the moment. He is our friend Tony Pauline, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Tony, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's always great to catch you up. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us, as always, my friend. Thanks for having me. Um, Just wanted to see if I could get your reaction first. Uh, Todd Munkin is going to be the Baltimore Ravens' new offensive coordinator. What do you make of the hire? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I really hadn't been fo- haven't been following all that much. But all I'll say is, if he could do for Lamar Jackson what he did for Stetson Bennett, right. I mean, it's worth right. its weight in gold. Don't know that that's going to happen. But, you know, I, I mean, Stetson Bennett, walk-on, average arm quarterback, really got him to play to, you know, an incredibly high level. If he can, uh, you know, the Ravens are able to keep Lamar Jackson. He's able to polish Lamar Jackson's passing skills. Well, you know that that that's worth its weight in gold. Uh, you know what? I, I I like the sounds of that, by the way. And of course, as you uh, would imagine, literally everyone on Twitter is already saying Stetson Bennett to the Ravens confirmed. That's uh, of course the follow-up to all of these things <laughs> in the first round, no doubt. Yeah, right? exactly right. It would make all the sense <laughs> in the world for where you would go about <laughs> doing that. All right, um, Tony, let uh, let's start with this for you. You, of course, um, Dan, you done you cover everything. Tell me who it is that has changed their reality the most between Shrine Bowl week and Senior Bowl week. Tell me who the prospects are that have most significantly changed their reality heading towards the, the Combine next. Well, I think DeWan Jones came in and had 
one day of great. He only practiced for one day. Uh, the offensive attack from Ohio State, uh, first day of senior bowl practice, and he was phenomenal. I mean, we all knew him as a big, mauling, suffocating run blocker, but he showed a lot of skill in pass protection. He showed the ability to slide off the edge and handle, uh, you know, speed rushers with ease, which. That was the big question mark about uh, DeWan Johnson, and he did that incredibly well, got his hand, it, it did a great job of it, and it was one and done. I guess he felt he did such a good job of it, he didn't have to practice the rest of the week because he took he practiced Tuesday and we didn't see him the rest of the week. So he really helped himself. Ty J. Spears proved, the running back from Tulane proved, he is the real deal. I mean, everything you see on film, he has those skills. He's got great quickness, great speed. He was a phenomenal receiver out of the backfield uh, during senior bowl practice. Uh, he was running routes like a receiver, so he really helped himself. Sidney Brown, sort of in the Dewan uh, Jones mold. Everyone knew him as a tough run-defending safety who had some cover skills. I mean, his ball skills were as good as many of the uh, cornerbacks during all three days of senior bowl practice. So he helped himself. Shrine game, I thought, Cottrell Clark, the corner from Louisville, a little bit small, but really did a great job for three days. Just kept getting better and better and better. A.T. Perry, the receiver from Wake Forest, uh, he was unstoppable. The only guy who was able to slow him down was actually Cottrell Clark, but for three days, A.T. Mm. Perry looked phenomenal. So I think the, uh, those are just a few of the guys, a handful of the guys, who came out of Shrine Week and, and Senior Bowl Week with better draft grades than when they went in. Uh, Tony, you're never going to believe this because we, you and I have never talked about wide receiver over the years here in Baltimore. It's never been a position, but... <laughs> But believe it or not, we're talking about wide receiver once again here in Baltimore. Um, where are you? Like, It feels like there's a lot of differing opinions. I, I had thought that the three guys, that everybody was consensus being the top three guys, were Jackson Smith and Jigba, Addison, and Quentin Johnston. But, you know, I've talked to more folks who maybe aren't as high on Quentin Johnston and maybe are higher on Jalen Hyatt or even higher on Zay Flowers or, or Booty from LSU. Where are you as far as these top these top five, six maybe receivers in the draft and who legitimately you think could be in play around the 22nd spot where the Ravens are picking? Yeah, well, I think that's more indicative of a very weak receiver class, okay. you know, when you have that many variety of opinions. Now, who is, my top six, my top six are Jackson Smith and Jimba, closely followed by Quinton Johnson, then Jalen Hyatt, Jordan Addison, Dave Flowers and Kayshawn Booty. Okay. I don't think that any of them are going to be top 20 picks. I wow. think most of those guys will be still on the, on the board when you get to the bottom third of round one. You know, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, phenomenal in 2021. The, 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 the game film screams, wow. <laughs> you know, the game film from 2021, <clears throat> Jackson, Smith, and Jigba had a higher grade than C.J. Stroud on my board but he barely played last year because of the hamstring issue. Sure. So, you know, he's got to prove that it wasn't, you know, a one-off thing. There's a lot of question marks there. Quinton Johnson, big, strong, fast, explosive, uh, explosive wideout, t- runs terrible routes, doesn't always catch the ball that well, does a lot of body catching. Jalen Hyatt, you know, a guy who's a great vertical threat, but he's got a limited route tree, and He's fast in a straight line, but when he's going to make a right-hand turn or a left-hand turn, it's, you know, the situation changes. Jordan Addison, a bit of a smaller guy, a real good route runner. Uh, but again, he's not, he's not a real speedster. Same thing with Zay Flowers, you know, Boston College. I mean, he's a guy who went to the Shrine game, had one solid day of practice. Uh, I, I guess he feels that his draft stock is cemented in the top 45. 
Uh, but he's a smaller guy. We've got to see what he runs. He told us he's going to run a 4-3 at the Combine when we interviewed him at the Shrine Game. Real good pass catcher, but, I mean, the guy's barely five foot nine, 182 pounds. Uh, Booty is the sort of the, the question mark. He, he's the unknown here. Uh, I don't think Booty's going to go in the first round, but I think Booty has shown flashes the past two years of being a, a terrific NFL receiver. And the one thing we know about receivers coming out of LSU they are usually better in the on Sunday than they are on Saturday, and Bushy, uh, Booty's got that type of ability. Hmm. He was just very inconsistent, especially at the beginning of the 2020 season. It, it, Tony Pauline in Pro Football Network is with us here on GCR. Tony, if the assumption is that what the Ravens are missing is that stretch the field type of receiver, based on what you just said, do you think there's a chance that Hyatt makes the most sense, or would you say, hey, look, if all of these guys are on the board? You can't just take the guy because you think it's what you need. You got to go get the best football player, and that's Smith and Jigba. Hey, Hyatt's a good receiver. He's just not a, a very experienced route runner. He doesn't have a, a uh, an expanded route tree, but he is a phenomenal vertical wideout. Uh, yeah, I like him much better than say I like Hollywood Brown a couple of years ago when the uh, Ravens took him. Uh, and, and he is that kind of guy that you know is going to put fear into defensive backs, uh, uh, into the heart of defensive backs when he steps to the line. So it's a question of, are you going to be able to, to teach Jalen Hyatt to run those underneath routes, to run those crossing patterns and catch the ball? You know he's a good vertical threat. You know, with Jackson Smith and Jimbo, I'm sure he's going to run very well. Uh, I'm sure he's going to run in the, uh, you know, the 4-3 the area. And I'm told, I reported a couple weeks ago, he is healthy and he is geared up to, to work out at the Combine. You know, the, the thing is, they really didn't have run too many deep routes at Ohio State. And like I said, you know, it was, it was one and done. I, I guess it depends on, you know, when I watch Lamar Jackson, he's a great vertical receiver, a, a, a very good vertical passer. It's some of the underneath stuff that he has problems with. So sure. maybe you better, better off putting more vertical receivers on the field. That's an interesting point. Is, is there anyone outside of that group? That you say, you know, I'm not trying to, like, Christian Watson and George Pickens were high picks, right? Like, let's not pretend like they were later guys. But is there anyone outside of that group that you look at the receiver position and say, this is a guy that's not being talked about in the top six, but is legitimately someone who could be an impact player in their rookie season in the NFL? I like Josh Downs of North Carolina in the second round. Uh, He's a guy who is a real good pass catcher, and he's a vertical threat. I like Cedric Tillman of uh, Tennessee, a bigger, stouter receiver, not your vertical threat. Jaden Reed is a guy who was real good for Michigan State in 2021, had kind of an off year last season, as did the entire Michigan State program, but looked really good at senior bowl practices. Uh, You know, if you want a true vertical threat, and he's going to go later in the draft, later meaning probably maybe late third round, maybe fourth round, Nathaniel Tank Dell of Houston, who had a great uh, senior bowl week. I mean, runs crisp routes. He's a vertical threat. If he's given the slightest bit of open uh, of space, he's gone. But he's 5'8", five, eight, uh, five, eight 163 pounds. So, you know, you're going to have to line him up in the slot. You're going to have to line him off the line of scrimmage and get him away from press coverage. But if you're looking for a guy that, you know, his teammate Marcus Jones had a major impact this year as a return specialist, and Tank Dell's got that same return or return potential, I should say. But he is a definite home run hitting threat at the receiver position. There are, th- you know, I don't, in the last uh, decade or so, there's been a few University of Maryland wide receivers that have been kind of overlooked leading up to the NFL draft and have done pretty well for themselves. 
there are three of them in this year's draft. What do you make of that group of Dante Demas, Rakim Jarrett, Jacob Copeland? Demas, the big thing for him uh, are the combine medicals because, sure. you know, two years ago, before he hurt himself, Demas looked like, you know, he was a definite day two pick. He is a well-rounded receiver. He's a bigger guy who, who's quick, who's fast, but you've got that specter of that me- uh, that significant injury. Uh, and even though he played uh you know pretty well last year, it's a different it's a different beast when you undergo combine medical. So that will that will dictate the thing with Dante Demas. He may be a guy that is downgraded or red flag because of the medicals, but if he stays healthy, I think he's going to be a real real good receiver at the next level. I think Jacob Copeland is very underrated, solid size, solid speed consistently comes away with the reception. I like him a lot. I think Jacorian Bennett is a little bit overrated. Uh, doesn't run great routes, doesn't always make the catch with his hands, doesn't do the fundamental things all that well, but he's a size-speed guy. Uh, I think all those guys you're looking at midday three. Okay, all right, very good. He is Tony Pauline at Pro Football Network. He is with us here on GCR. Tony, if I could, the uh, the cornerback position is another one that jumps out. We don't know what Marcus Peters' future is in Baltimore, and we have seen the Ravens have been committed to the idea of building from the outside in defensively and strengthening from the secondary. The the most fascinating name to me, and I'm more and more convinced that he's not going to get there the more folks that I talk to, but I, Joey Porter was maybe the most hated player in the history of the Baltimore-Pittsburgh uh, uh, rivalry because of the cheap shot he once took on, on Todd Heap. Is there any world in which this delicious scenario could play out where Joey Porter Jr. is in the mix for the Ravens at 22? Not according to my board, because Joey Porter is my number one rated cornerback. He's got excellent size. He's a physical corner, like his dad was a physical player. Uh, he's fast. He's shown a lot of ability. He needs to polish his game. I'd be surprised if Joey Porter makes it, out the top, uh, makes it outside the top 15. So who could be in the mix around 22 at the cornerback position? Well, I, I mean, maybe Cam Smith of South Carolina, Christian Gonzalez of Oregon. I like D.J. Turner of Michigan, uh, although he's a little bit smaller than people want. And, you know, you talk about Maryland players, Deontay Banks. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. did, would they take Deontay Banks that early? Deontay Banks is a big physical specimen. He is a terrific cornerback. The instincts kind of concern me with Deontay Banks, but, you know, if you're looking for a guy that's over six foot tall, that is physical, that is fast, that's got solid ball skills, that's Deontay Banks. Uh, he's got a lot of upside, you know, may not be able to play in a complex defensive scheme, but if you're looking for somebody to run down the field with the, with the receivers and, and basically just knock away passes, he can do that job it, for you. It's so funny you say that. Like I was having a conversation with someone in the NFL recently, and they said to me that they have a first-round grade on Deontay Banks. Like, the do you think it's possible that he could rise to that point in this conversation? Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, there are positions of priority. Everyone talks about the quarterbacks, but teams want to see left tackles, and there's not a lot of left tackles in this year's UF, defensive linemen, defensive linemen are solid, and cornerbacks in the, in the first round of the draft. And you go back, I mean, some of the bigger surprises in the bottom half of round one have been cornerbacks. There were a couple of years ago, we had, there were six cornerbacks selected in the first round. Two of them turned out to be bust. I believe one is in prison right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's absolutely possible that you have six cornerbacks go in the first round of the draft with Deontay Banks being that sixth 
player at the position who's selected in the top 32. It's really fascinating. All right, let me knock out two more with you really quickly, Tony. Um, you brought up quarterbacks. I, I sure as hell hope we're not talking about quarterback. I hope that the Ravens get something figured out with Lamar Jackson, but I feel like we can't be dismissive of it. Um, if, if the Ravens end up in the quarterback market, tell me how good the guys are at the top. How, if, the, if the Ravens make a trade, how high do they have to trade in order to get one of those top guys? And is Anthony Richardson even worthy of the conversation as being somebody that could be your quarterback of the future if you don't trade up high enough to get one of the top guys? Well, I mean, I wouldn't take Anthony Richardson with the first, in the first round. Could he be your quarterback of the future? Yes. If you have a great quarterback coach and you're willing to sit him for a year, if not two years. I mean, Anthony Richardson has some phenomenal talent. He's got great physical skills. He throws some beautiful passes. But at times, he looks like a pedestrian playing the quarterback position. He is that awful. So, you know, he is at both sides of the spectrum, which means that, you know, you're gonna t- if you're going to take him, you better be very patient with him, and you better have a great quarterback coach. I mean, could he go in the first round? Well, yeah, Tim Tebow went in the first round, and right. so Anthony Richardson right. can go in the first round. You know, if they're looking, you know, again, like you said, it depends on what happens with uh, Lamar Jackson. I really don't see any of these guys, except for Bryce Young, ready to be first-year starters. I think they all have a lot of holes in their game that need a lot of work. C.J. Sproud, uh, Will Levis of Kentucky is all over the place with throws. He stares down the primary target. I, you know, I happen to like Hendon Hooker of Tennessee, but he's coming off a major knee injury. And Hendon Hooker could actually be in the best spot of any quarterback in this draft wow. because he's not going to be able to play for that because of that knee injury. He's got a great amount of talent. He had, he's just gotten better and better transferring from Virginia Tech to Tennessee. You saw what he did this year at Tennessee. He's got an arm. He's accurate. He's smart. He's a great leader on the field. And, you know, by virtue of the injury, he's going to have to sit on the sidelines and, and absorb a lot of things. So, you know what, if it's not in the first round, you come back around in the third round, if you can get Hendon Hooker and he's going to have to sit, I, I mean, in my opinion, that, that is a great play. The scenario in which they're planning on tagging Lamar Jackson but not still convinced that they're going to end up signing him long-term, that is a very appealing conversation to have, although it would be, it'd be more appealing to me to just have Lamar Jackson. That's a conversation for a different day, Tony. We're actually about to chat with uh, Baltimore native Muhammad Ibrahim here in a second. What, where, how does he fit in? To this? I mean, he was so wildly productive, but he's also you know, going to be 24 years old here in a minute. Like, what, where do you fit Muhammad Ibrahim as far as the draft is concerned? Yeah, and we got to interview him at the Shrine game, and he was one of the best interviews. I mean, if you, you talk about a guy that you just want in your locker room, that would be Muhammad Ibrahim. As far as where he fits, I don't think the fact that he's 24 is a big issue. I think the fact that he's a smaller guy, he's not super fast. Caught the ball well uh, during Shrine game practices, although we didn't catch the ball all that much at Minnesota. I think if you are in the late rounds and you're looking for a third or fourth running back, you're looking for that guy that could spell the starter on occasion, coming in situa- you know, certain situations, uh, he's your guy. He should, he's just the type of guy that you want in your locker room. He is that so much of an upstanding person. I, I was so impressed with the five-minute interview we did with him. And we didn't just talk about football. We talked about P.J. Fleck and other things. That's cool. Uh, he was phenomenal. I, I hope he gets drafted. I hope he has a long future in the NFL if, in fact, that's what he wants. Well, I'm looking forward to chatting with him here in a couple of minutes. Tony, what all can we plug for you, my friend? 
I have no idea. <laughs> I guess the combine's coming up soon, so I could just go to Pro Football Network. There's always something there. We will eventually have some 800 scouting reports up there. We'll, we'll have a lot of our interviews uh, from Shrine Bowl, including the one with Muhammad Ibrahim, so you'll get to see firsthand what I'm talking about after you listen to him on, on your show. Uh, and I guess now that the Super Bowl's over, everyone's going to be concentrating on the, uh, on the NFL draft, so we'll, we will have... Uh, Tons of information at Pro Football Network on the draft, as we do 12 months a year. No doubt. At Tony Pauline, of course, is how you follow him on Twitter as well. Tony, always appreciate these conversations. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning, man. Thanks for having me. Tony Pauline with us here on GCR talking some NFL draft. Um, by the way, uh, today's show is also brought to you by Griffin. you got to remember to hit uh, mute on your microphone when you uh, pick up the – I pre- I'm not trying to like knock you, but we just got to clean that up. Um, I apologize. I actually put away the print issue of Pressbox because we're preparing for the next print issue of Pressbox. Uh, of course, this one is still available for another day or two with Adley Rodgerman or Mo Gabba, Sports Person of the Year, on the cover. But then it will be gone, making way for a new print issue which features Gunnar Henderson of the Baltimore Orioles, the number one prospect in all of baseball, but only technically because he's not going to be a prospect anymore after about 30 days. Um, and then hopefully he'll just be a rock star and helping the Orioles towards the playoffs this season. Gunnar Henderson is on the cover, profiled by Luke Jackson. That's coming in a couple days. So go get this one while you still can at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of those hundreds of locations around town where you find press box. Um, a couple of thoughts. I, I'm not, again, I, I, I hate... I hate that I'm thinking so much about the other side of the Todd Munkin thing and not spending enough time just talking about Todd Munkin, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm hearing from people that have different opinions about these things. John and Little Rock, I like the hire based on his wealth of experience at the highest college level. but And the NFL, let's make that abundantly clear. Todd Munkin has been an NFL coordinator. How successful of an NFL coordinator? Eh. eh. But he at least has the experience. I think the Ravens did an exhaustive search and took their time to make their final decision. I believe in the 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 release that they put out, they kind of played that part of it up. This was more about you know doing their due diligence and you know how many you know people they hired. I think they said something like the, we quote this is from John Harbaugh. We conducted 21 interviews with 14 candidates throughout a thorough process that had wide ranging organizational involvement. Todd's leadership and coaching acumen were evident from the beginning. He has a proven track record for designing and teaching offensive systems that allow players to succeed at the highest level. We're excited to get to work and begin building an offense that will help us compete for championships. And if you want to just take it at face value, it's totally possible the Ravens were never zeroed in on anyone involved with the Super Bowl, but just wanted to say, hey, let's at least get to the point where we can have that conversation. The dirty secret is they probably knew those answers before the Super Bowl. And then the only part that would be the wild card would be Brian Johnson, right? Like the only part of this that you could create where you could say, here's what might have messed with them, is if Brian Johnson, the quarterback's coach in Philadelphia, was really the guy they wanted. And that's the guy they were really waiting for and then the Shane Stryken thing screwed everything up because Brian Johnson would say, look, man, I'm, you know, I like you guys, but I'd just rather be in the position that I'm comfortable in. Unfinished business, whatever you want to call it. If that's the case, 
then you can absolutely separate this from Lamar Jackson. That they wanted somebody and couldn't get them because that the the part again that it keeps running through my mind is Bianami, right? Like if you're Eric Bianami and you're leaving Kansas City because you feel like you have to get out from the shadow of Andy Reid, you don't want to go somewhere where there's any confusion at all about who your quarterback's going to be. You're thinking this is a pit stop to you becoming a head coach. So your interest is not, let me go somewhere where I might have to deal with Geno Smith being my quarterback next season. No offense, Geno Smith obviously had a good season, and frankly, you know, Dave Canales, their quarterback coach in Seattle, ended up being on the radar more because of Geno Smith. But I want to know that I've got the dude. I've got the guy. You and guys s- have a Pro Bowl uh, going quarterback. Got Pro Bowl yeah, Tyler Huntley. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Nailed it. Dynamite. <laughs> well, it counts. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Let for him rest, in the flag for the rest of, game. For the rest of his life, he will forever be able to say, I was a Pro like Bowl four quarterback. Four touchdowns. Yeah. Yes. All right. All right. Enough. Enough. Um, if I'm Eric Bieniemy, I need that answer. So the concern would be that that's what they were waiting on was Bieniemy. Bieniemy says, "Look, in order for me to make this jump, I need to know about Lamar." They say, "You know, we we think he's going to be here, but we can't promise you that." And Eric Bieniemy says, "Unless you can promise it to me, nah, I ain't doing this." Okay. Now where do we go? Well, we, Munkin was the guy that we liked the most. I don't know that's the case. And again, the Brian Johnson scenario, which has been brought up by a couple people, um, TC, probably needed to see how potential hires in the Super Bowl shook out. Maybe they were interested in Brian Johnson. Yes, the Brian Johnson scenario is the one that's less concerning because it's about him, not about them, right? Like, that if they, that was the guy that they wanted. But again, Adam Schefter, for as many people that report things that you wanted to be dismissive of, Adam Schefter is not typically someone that you're going to be dismissive of. Adam Schefter a week ago said the Ravens were interested in Eric Bieniemy. Why, why isn't it Eric Bieniemy then? Because if Todd Munkin was the guy that you wanted, you could have had him. You didn't have to wait. If Eric Bieniemy was never interested in leaving or never interested in coming to Baltimore, you could you didn't have to wait until after the Super Bowl to get that answer. That answer could have come. So what changed? And maybe it's a better offer for Eric Bieniemy, right? As I pointed out yesterday, maybe t- tonight we'll find out that Washington was prepared to give him an absurd amount of money to become a coordinator. Seems weird given their ownership situation, but again, a lot of people believe that like it's already known who the next owner is going to be. Maybe the next owner is already calling the shots in Washington. And if it's, say, Jeff Bezos, he has no shortage of money. Could do whatever he wants to do. You want $30 million to be a coordinator? Come on, let's do it. Kim, I believe they will have Lamar Jackson under center next year, but I also believe that they're not going to stress if they can't keep him under center after next year. Munkin, I'm sure, has his own guys that he feels like he could work with. He's worked with plenty of them. Maybe, maybe, right? Like, maybe this... Baker Mayfield's available. He was the OC for the Browns in 2019 before Stefanski started calling plays. Man, I don't know enough about... To do do what? You're going to make Baker Mayfield your... Starting quarterback? That's I mean, like 
That's just I mean, that's like, a connection that Monk can have. I understand yeah. that, and like that would be a good argument for why Baker Mayfield could be a backup quarterback here. But like committing to Baker Mayfield as your answer in the year of our Lord twenty twenty three. I mean, what are what are we doing? It's is that where we're at? Might be. Well, for Munkin, I feel like it's probably one of those things he doesn't necessarily – well, of course he minds who the quarterback is, but he doesn't necessarily mind coming from Georgia where – Yes, if he, getting back they're into not, the NFL, They don't have a tradition of having but stellar there's, But there's a drastically different diff- – a drastic difference in being able to compete with a less-than-top-level quarterback in college football and being able to do it in the NFL. Like, I, and again, the answer might be that Todd Munkin says, well, I just want to get back in the NFL, right? Like, I don't yeah. – I'm not sweating anything. Like, I'm willing to come here no matter what the quarterback situation is because I just went back in the NFL. I'm itching to get back. It could be as simple as that. But to pretend like Todd Munkin is enough to overcome not having a quarterback in the NFL, I mean, get the entire F out of here with that. I like Todd Munkin. But Todd Munkin is not so much more brilliant than every other mind in football that he's the guy that could – Beat Patrick Mahomes with Derek Carr as his quarterback next season. Stop. I mean, we're just saying things at some point. All of this, like, I hate I hate the fact that this is where my mind's going. I wish I could just, uh, um, you know, DB is trying to sell the idea that it's about Todd Munkin. He had multiple job offers, and he was the one that waited to pick the Ravens, and he did it because he knows he's going to have Lamar Jackson. It's a charitable way of looking at it, man. I guess in a perfect scenario, that's what the answer is, right? This has nothing to do with who the Ravens really wanted. This is this is only about Todd Munkin waiting and taking his time before he decided which job he was going to take of the jobs that, that he had in front of him and wouldn't have taken it if he didn't know that he had Lamar Jackson. It's, it's certainly a way of considering it. What it actually is, who knows who knows we will uh do some more todd munkin related coverage we'll reach out to some folks why don't you uh attempt uh eric zire here if we we could i mean i don't know what his schedule is if he could do it before the show's over we could do it now we can always move muhammad ibrahim why don't we uh check in with eric zire here during the commercial break or we try for another day i know he's a busy man all right um today's show also brought to you by the stan the fan variety hour which returned earlier in the week Aberdeen ironbirds gm jack graham joined stan and ross grimsley if you missed it, find it at uh, Facebook, or last night that was. Find it at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline, or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. We'll continue to talk about Todd Munkin. We are going to catch up with Baltimore native, University of Minnesota running back, Muhammad Ibrahim as well. That is all on the way as we continue on a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. 
There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our Winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day Holiday Racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the Bataround was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon, right here at Pressbox Sports. Stan the fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Um, not the only news this morning, Todd Munkin being the new Ravens offense coordinator. If you're a Bruce Springsteen fan, you're probably very happy that uh, Bruce Springsteen is going to be basically living in Baltimore here in 2023 after playing at the arena uh, when it opens the next couple weeks. I mean, it opens with the CIAA tournament here in like two weeks. Next week? Is that when it opens? God, it's soon. It's very soon that the uh, new arena will make its debut and then Bruce Springsteen will play the first concert at the new arena, but he will be back in Baltimore. And this has been kind of a poorly kept secret. I, I know a lot of people in my circle I've talked to about uh, this for some time, that uh, the Orioles had an agreement with Bruce Springsteen. We now know the date. It will be in September, September 9th. Bruce Springsteen will play at Camden Yards. So a busy fall of concerts. Of course, Bruce Springsteen at Camden Yards, and then Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks are playing. Uh, next door at uh, M&T Bank Stadium. Unfortunately, for the younger people, no Taylor Swift, no Beyonce, none of the uh, kind of marquee. It's like they don't care about us. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. These, it's not like these are bad shows. If I were no, you, yeah, I, would, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I would try to you know take in one of these shows. I'm, I'm. Not, I already said I'm not going to end up going to Bill. I mean, like unless something happens or somebody gives me. I've I've done the bit where I've spent a bunch of money on these guys before, and they're not. I'm just out on it at this point. I'm out. I'm You're out. saying they're bad performers? No, not at all. I've seen Billy Joel ten times, something like that. I'm okay. just sort of, um, it's at this point like the amount of money that it costs to go to a concert any longer. Yeah. Like I've got to, it's got to be something. Spe- Paul McCartney last summer was worth it because I'd never seen Paul McCartney before. I was going to spend an absurd amount of money on Paul McCartney because it was an experience I'd never had before. I've seen Bruce Springsteen five, ten, you know, like, and again, I. I enjoy Bruce Springsteen. He's very good. It's just 
I don't need to spend that much money again on Bruce Springsteen. I can do something else with that. And that's what I will end up doing. But I know it's a big deal for a lot of people, Bruce Springsteen, coming twice to Baltimore now this year as he will be in, uh, at Camden Yards in September. And also this morning, I think even more significant news than either of the other two, we finally have a date for the final season of Ted Lasso. Oh, we do. Yeah, that, the date for that? that is very good news for everybody involved. Uh, Ted Lasso, we have been waiting, and it feels like we've been waiting an eternity. It feels like we've waited a year and a half for season three of Ted Lasso. March 15th oh, is the date, so nice. it's coming in just a month, the final season of Ted Lasso on Apple TV+. Plus. So pretty big news this morning besides just Todd Munkin being the busy Ravens Tuesday morning. Coordinator. It is a very busy Tuesday morning. Today's show is also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. So many great deals available at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Bet $5 with DraftKings. Instantly get $200 in bonus bets for this weekend's big game. Get this and other great sportsbook promos and specials at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. That's PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. All right, we had to do this a little bit earlier on because of his schedule, but we had the opportunity to catch up with a Baltimore native and one of the uh, the best running backs in the 2023 NFL Draft, Muhammad Ibrahim, right here on GCR. Let's continue our coverage of the NFL Draft here on GCR. Joining us now, a native of Baltimore and a man who set all sorts of new records during his career at the University of Minnesota. He just had an excellent week out at the East-West Shrine Bowl, and now he's getting ready for the NFL Combine. It's a pleasure to welcome in Baltimore's own Muhammad Ibrahim to GCR. Muhammad, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to catch up with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Thank you for having me, man. Uh, I appreciate I appreciate that intro. Absolutely, dude. Glad to be on the show. Mo, I, you know, we've been watching you from afar. Uh, admittedly, Wishing that maybe you would have been a little bit more uh, <clears throat> recruited here at Maryland, but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> um, can you just sort of take me through? Uh, let's go back. Let, you know what? How about we go a ways back, right? Like growing up here okay. as a kid in Baltimore, I know you ended up at Good Council, but can you take me through? Like, was there a moment in your life that it like first struck you? Like, dude, I, I might legitimately have a chance to turn this game that I like playing into a way that I go about making a living? Yeah, uh, I would say it started pretty young. Um, you know, I played on the Woodlawn Falcons uh, out in uh, the Woodlawn area, mm-hmm. and uh, we we had a pretty decent team. Uh, and um, just seeing the success that we was having out there, Seeing, seeing just how I ranked up against everybody in like Maryland, Baltimore area, I was like, okay, I could, I think I can do it. Um, and then uh, I played for the Hamilton Tigers, sure, my eighth grade year, and it was like unlimited, uh, like it was no weight limit. I was like, oh, these big guys can't really hit like that, and I was like, oh, I think I can really do it. Like it's, it's time to turn it up a notch. Was it when when you didn't have like the most stars in recruiting? When you weren't getting the attention other guys were getting? Was there ever a moment where you doubted yourself? You know, like it wasn't a certain thing that you were going to end up in the Big Ten. Like not all of your offers were coming from major programs. Was there ever a moment where you're like, you know, I I don't know, maybe it's not going to happen for me the way that I thought. Yeah, uh, I didn't set myself up pretty well. Uh, you know, I I think that uh, it was all on you know 
the reason why I didn't have a lot of stops was my fault. So it was just in God's hand. You know, I just put it in God's hand and uh, took it day by day. Um, you know, at the end of my recruiting process, you know, it got kind of hectic. You know, I didn't really have that many offers. So we were just reaching out to different people, reaching out to different people. And then, uh, you know, Coach Fleck took a, a trial on me, and I was like, I'm, I'm not going to let you down. It was one of those situations. So, you know, I left it in God's hand. Uh, I wasn't panicking. Um and, you know, when it came down to it, I think that God put me in the right situation. Yeah. And uh, and it was perfect. I was, I was The rest, they would say, is literally history, considering all of the records <laughs> you broke at the University of Minnesota. Uh, Baltimore's own Muhammad Ibrahim is with us here on GCR. Um, it, it, by the way, first of all, is it all right if I call you Mo? I know a lot of people in your life do. Is that okay, or is that for people that you're close to? No, yeah, with? you can call me Mo. Okay. That's no problem. All right, we'll go with Mo. Uh, Mo, how did your upbringing here, and I know like your family, you know, they, they, boy, you you are one of the more interesting stories I think in the entire NFL draft. But like, how did your <laughs> upbringing here help shape you for getting yourself to this point and being on the cusp of an NFL career? Yeah, um, so I moved to Baltimore when I was in the third grade, and. Uh, you know, moving there, it was just, it just showed me a lot of, you know, hardship, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then, uh, you know, when I was out there, you know, we had a, it was pretty fun actually. Uh, you know, all the, uh, you know, all the things we did as a kid, it was like a lot of activity, stuff like that. Um, but I think it was one event, um, that, that really changed my life. And, uh, it was at a young age, I was, in, I was, we was living in an apartment complex and it caught on fire. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we had a hard time. My mom had to work double shift, stuff like that. Um, we was hotel to hotel. And, uh, you know, I was, we was just trying to get on our feet. But, you know, throughout that whole situation, my mom was never putting her head down. My mom was never, uh, wow. you know, complaining and stuff like that. Um, you know, she used to come home and she was always have a smile on her face. So, you know, it taught me through adversity. You just, you got to continue being yourself, continue having faith. Um, and, you know, you can see that throughout my whole career, you know, when I didn't have no scholarships, just always having faith that, you know, uh, things are going to be okay. Uh, God, God have a plan for you. Um, and just keep, keep being yourself. Don't let the, the hard time humble you, stuff like that. And then, um, you know, with the Achilles injury, yep. um, not listening to all the outside noise, stuff like that, you know, that all came back to that situation where, you know, I, I leaned on my mom, and my mom always gave me great advice and stuff like that. So, you know, Baltimore shaped me as a man uh, at a very young age, and it, it carried on throughout all the different situations I was going through. Wow. It's powerful to hear you say that. Like, like losing a year of football maybe pales in comparison to not knowing, like, where you're going to be sleeping at night, right? <laughs> like, right. <it's, laughs> um, you know, you got to keep perspective in those moments. Um, well, you know, let, let's talk about that, right? You, six years in college, and obviously you were primed for a, a huge 2021 and, you know, to get out at that point and go on and make that jump. When you get hurt, right. when you tear your Achilles, do any, like, feelings of doubt creep back in? Do you have any moment where you say, oh, my God, I was this close, and, and is it going to be the same afterwards? Of course, you have those feelings. Uh, you know, you... You, you hear all the news outlets, you, you see all the, um, you know, all the hype uh, coming up to the season, and then it happens the first game, and it's like, what could have been? You know, you, you, you never know what could have been. And then, uh, 
you know, you 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 hold your head down, and then you 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 realize like it's not that serious. Like it's just a football, like it's just a football game. Like, um, and and I, that's where I had to humble myself and like bring myself back down to earth. It's just I had to humble myself and just understand that it's just a game. Um, and but it, it helped me like shape my life to see what I actually want to do outside of football. Um, hmm. and I seen how important football was to me when I when it got taken away from me. And that was my first year I didn't play football. Um, so, it, you know, it kind of hurt, but it showed me that, hey, it's a better life out there outside of football. And now I know I want to coach. I want to be a coach out wow. there uh, when, my, when my time playing is done. So, like I said, God always has a reason for me. Like, everything that I always go through, it always showed me something. Um, you know, I, I, I was hurt for a year. I was showing the young guys what to do, um, stuff like that. And then it showed me, like, hey, like, this football – this coaching thing might be for you. Um, you know, beforehand, I used to always tell my mom, like, I don't want to be no coach. Like, it's not me. My mom was like, you would be a great coach. And I'm like, nah, that's not me. That's not me. <laughs> and then I got hurt, and it was just like, yeah, that, that's definitely me. Like, my mom seen the flock and see it. But, wait, wait, have you, you already know, adopted, like, have you already adopted any coach speak? Like, is there anything, a phrase that you said, you were like, oh, man. Now I sound like a coach. <laughs> yeah, you know, you pick up, you pick up like a few things. Just being like a coach, just always repeating yourself. You know, you just out there saying like the same thing, so you you pick up little things that you like. <laughs> I mean, I I I completely. I some coaches are a little bit too corny for me, Mo. Like that would be <laughs> a bit much. Uh, but some of yeah. them, when, when you find one that's real, man, it's 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 really special, and I, I certainly think that'd be an amazing way for you to go. But clearly, you've got a lot to do football wise before that point of your life. I understand that. Right. Um, you come back after the torn Achilles. You take the sixth year. D- did you were you nervous at all about? And I'm sure you're already dealing with it. That that people are are looking at you and they're saying, "Dude, you're 24. You're old, right? Like that. That's that's the way that." You know, it's sort of the reputation um, for guys that, that spend that much time in college get coming into the NFL. Did you worry yeah. about all of that? And how important was it for you to show, you know, the not just the production, but what jumps off the page at me is the yards after contact this season to, like, show to everybody, dude, I, I'm not feeling anything related to the injury whatsoever. Uh, you know, it was – so so when I got hurt and I was making a decision on if I should come back or not, you know, I talked to a lot of different people. Um, I got connected to a lot of different people. And uh, the big thing was nobody ever came back from Achilles. Uh, nobody, it, it was saying, like, no running back ever come back the same. Da-da-da. Like, I thought that I, I thought that my plan was still in motion. I thought that I could still go to NFL. Um, I thought that what I, everything I did in the past can still show that I'm a great football player. So um, come November... Um, you know, I start having these big boy conversations and you know, I put on my big boy pants and, uh, and I'm having these conversations and they're like, nobody can come back from an Achilles. Um, and you're not going to get drafted. Nobody's going to draft you. Uh, and if they do, if they do pick you up. They're going to break, they're going to run you down to the floor to see how the Achilles does. Hmm. So then I was like, okay, so my floor is I'm not getting drafted. So it's either I don't get drafted. Uh, 2021 year or I come back and let's say I don't get drafted again did I give myself the better chance so so now I'm now I'm weighing my options so it's like okay if I come back for another year I can show people my Achilles don't hurt 
I can show people that I'm I'm a football player. Like I can I can play through it. I can show people that it don't bother me. Or I can go right now and 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 and, and, and you know like don't have no faith in it. Just going out there and just you know just not really having faith in it. Um. So I decided, hey, I'm gonna come back. Like I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna show people I can play on the Achilles. Like it don't bother me. Like I'm good. Um. So yeah, that was my plan. So uh, you know, I dropped. I so I so I decided to come back, and everybody was just like, "Hey, like, uh, you can work your way back into the draft. Da, da, da. You can show people how great of a running back you are." And I think that's exactly what I did. So mission, uh, yeah, mission accomplished. I would say mission one hundred percent accomplished. <laughs> mission accomplished. I I wonder if in a way. As we're chatting just another few minutes here with Muhammad Ibrahim from Minnesota, Baltimore native with the Siron GCR, I wonder if in a way it's part of your like your sales pitch to NFL teams at this point that you're more prepared to make the jump immediately, that you wouldn't maybe need quite as much of an on-ramp as some guys would given your age, given your experience, given everything that you've been through that you feel like you're a little bit more ready to like be impacting on the field next season than maybe your average rookie would be. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm 23 right now. So I was just like, Hey, like I took that as like, that was going to be my rookie year. I took that last season. I just had like, hey, that's my rookie year. Like I showed y'all what I could do. Yeah. It was basically like a, a coming out of the pocket moment. It was just like, Hey, like I showed y'all what I can do. Like just have faith in me. So that's how I looked at it. I mean, my man, it couldn't have gone a whole lot better. I know that much. <laughs> it couldn't have gone a whole lot better. Um, Mo, obviously, the, the the Ravens have spent a lot of time scouting at the University of Minnesota the last couple of years. Um, they've gotten to know some dudes. I, I wonder if Rashad, if Daniel Faalele, if those guys at all like reached out to you over the course of the last couple of years, tried to – you know, ask you questions about like, hey man, uh, I'm headed to your neck of the woods. What what should I know? Who should I go see? Like, I just wonder what your relationships were like with those guys. Yeah, so uh, I'm older than both of those guys. It's so funny, know. right? It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I seen Rashad come in. I seen uh, Falele come in, and uh, you know, I had I had a great relationship with both of them. Uh, those guys, they both came in at a young age. Start started playing very early. Um, you know, I I got really close to Rashad Bateman. Me and him was real close. Uh, we still are real close. Um, so you know, anytime you know, anytime he has questions or like anytime we're talking and stuff like that, like we I always ask him how Baltimore lives and stuff like that. He loved it out there. So, um, and then Dan, uh, me and Dan was actually close too. Um, but we're more like on the gaming side. We play games together, That's stuff cool. like that. So, have you allowed? So, so, I mean, like, do you let yourself dream at all about, like, your your story's amazing already. Dude, if this story culminated with you putting on purple and coming back home, <laughs> it, it would be one of the truly most incredible stories in Ravens history. Do you, I, I know you're excited, like, wherever it's going to be. I understand that part of it. But do you allow right. yourself to dream at all about, like, what that would be like if it were the Ravens and you were back home and you know with a bunch of dudes you already know like sharing an offensive room with do you let yourself think about that possibility at all uh yeah you know it, it goes through my mind quite often uh you know I had uh in my F in the athletic room at Minnesota it was like a lot of different fans in there 
and uh, you know, just seeing the situation that uh, the Ravens was in with the running backs, uh, was it this year or last year? But oh, uh, well, everybody got hurt, right? And stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was just like it was just like, hey, like you never know, like they might pick you up, and it was always like a running joke inside of our locker room and stuff like that. Because I was a huge Ravens fan in the locker room, so uh, you know, it, it it comes up every 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 Sunday when y'all play stuff like that. So. Um, you know, I, I would love to, uh, going back to Baltimore, it would be like going right back home to the Owens Mills area, stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, I would love, I would love to come back to Maryland, but you know, it's, it's in God's hands. Um, you know, just seeing what the next few months look like, you know, it's all question marks. Is there anyone in your family that it would be particularly difficult for if it were to be Pittsburgh? Like, is there anyone, a friend, a family <laughs> member, someone that you're close with? that you know they're such a fan that, like, they're going to root for you, but it's going to be tough as hell for them. Yeah, uh, my per- my personal trainer, uh, uh, where I'm, uh, so he raised me, basically. He, okay. he, like, on the football side, like, we worked out together and stuff like that. He was a huge Ravens fan. And uh, if I put on the, the you know, the, the, the black and yellow, he probably, Yo. probably won't talk to me for a while. But... Uh, <laughs> But I know it's all love. I know it's all love, dude. You you know it's we take things very seriously around here. <laughs> it's the way that it goes. Yeah, definitely. Um, Mo, I, I guess let me wrap with this. The 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 what would whether it's the Ravens, whoever it is, what are they getting when they call Muhammad Ibrahim's name in the NFL draft? They're going to get a hard worker, consistent type of guy. Um, you know, he's always going to come in, do his job. Um, you know. If he come in as a role player, you know, and the starter goes out of the game and he runs into the game, you know, okay, I can count on this guy. He's going to do his job. He's going to do more. He's going to chase me down the field. He's going to help help the play out. He's going to squeeze everything out the orange, um, that type of guy. Um, and if I come in as a starter, uh, I, it's going to be somebody that they can uh, rely on. Um, somebody's going to go out there and make plays. Somebody's going to go out there and just help the team, uh, you know, win. Uh, get a championship, stuff like that. Like you're going to get a, a great guy in the in the locker room, uh, not just a great football player, but a great guy in the locker room. Um, yeah, uh, we like the sounds of that here, man. We, you know, you know what we're rooting for, <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna. <laughs> well, well, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Mo, where can folks <laughs> around here be giving you a follow? Twitter, Instagram, anywhere? How can they sort of keep tabs on you as you're going through this entire process? Yeah, so my uh, my Instagram is Mo, period, uh, Ibrahim, I-B-R-A-H-I-M, Jr. Uh, my Twitter is underscore, uh, I believe it's underscore Mo, uh, I, uh, M-O, Ibrahim, I-B-R-A-H-I-M. And uh, those are two social medias I mainly be on. Mo, I am, um, I'm really, it, it, what a career you've already had, right? The accomplishments, amazing, all Big Ten, all American, everything, but... I uh, seriously can't wait to see what's next for you. You are uh, you are very much making everybody back this way proud. If it's Baltimore, we we can't wait. I mean, it would just be the most incredible story. If it is Pittsburgh, please don't be offended by what we say about you on Twitter. We promise it's not personal. <laughs> we don't mean it. Uh, congratulations on everything. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Thank you, brother. That's Muhammad Ibrahim, and definitely not Muhammad Ibrahim. I don't know what idiot would say that. All right, so just a just a quick pull. First of all, that awesome, you know, Tony Pauline nailed it. What an incredible, you know, young man he is, and 
uh, easy to root for. So I have this personal rule around here that even when we think we know somebody's name, I'll give you an example, right? Like we've had Dane and Hughes on a billion times, Chiefs color analyst, uh, does baseball for the Big Ten Network. So for any number of reasons, when the Ravens have played the Chiefs, when you know, the Chiefs have been in the Super Bowl, when he's worked, you know, NCAA tournament uh, baseball-wise the last few years, we've had Dan and Hughes on the show. But every time we do, before we have him on, I say to Griffin, or whoever was producer in the past, reconfirm Danon, not Danon, right? Like, reconfirm when you bring him up. Because it's a professional thing to do in radio to he, make sure that you he's, get it right. he's easy with it too. Because as soon as you call him, he's like, "This is Danon." Well, there you go. Yeah, there yeah, you go. So you got you have that nice taken care of. But it's a professional rule. Young Charles should learn this, right? Like you, you want to get everybody's name correct as a broadcaster. You want to make sure it's someone's name. It's something you want to get right, right? Like you don't want to be that guy. So pulling the curtain all the way back, we actually had to record with uh, Mo yesterday late in the afternoon. So after the show was over, I said. I'm pretty sure it's Ibrahim. And, in fact, I believe if you go back and listen to us plugging tomorrow's show at the end of the show yesterday, you hear us mention Muhammad Ibrahim is going to be on the show tomorrow. I'm almost certain that's what it is. So then I say, well, let me just triple check that. And one of the things that I do is I go back and I go to YouTube and I just plug somebody's name in and listen to highlights. So I sent this to Griffin. Yesterday I found a video of... I just searched Muhammad Ibrahim and I found a video of like all of his touchdown runs. I said, great, this will give me a bunch of different highlights and I will be able to confidently know what the answer is. So this was from the big 10 network compiled it, but it's from various different, it's like some of them are from Fox, some of them from ESPN, all of the different broadcasts of Minnesota football. Did you get, I don't know if there's an ad at the front. Did you get through that? I got through the ad. Okay. All right. So here's what I heard when I did this yesterday, when I participated in this exercise. As well, they give it to Ibrahim. Touchdown, Gophers. Uh-huh. This time he hands it off. Ibrahim, touchdown again, Gophers. On second down, Ibrahim leaping into the end zone for six. You can, you, we don't have to keep going. As you can already hear, multiple different broadcasters, including the great Gus Johnson, <laughs> who, as you all know, I love referring to him as Muhammad Ibrahim. So all of a sudden I say, oh. I'm the a-hole. I've had it wrong all the whole time. His name is Muhammad Ibrahim. God, I feel like a jerk. Well, I know what I'm not going to do is get it wrong during this interview. So I literally took a piece of paper, probably in the trash somewhere, and I spelled it out. I brah him. And I put it in front of me right over because I was sitting in Griffin's seat when I recorded the interview yesterday. I put it in front of me to make sure that every time I reset, I got it right. Muhammad Ibrahim. And like a dumbass, forgot to reconfirm before we started the interview. Forgot to say, hey, Muhammad, just wanted to triple check. It's definitely Ibrahim, right? Because <laughs> I listened to this video and everyone referred to you as Muhammad Ibrahim. I can't imagine that everyone got it wrong. Sure enough, we do the entire interview. And at the end, I say, hey, uh, you want to plug uh, your Twitter, plug your Instagram? Yeah, follow me at Mo Ibrahim. <laughs> Son of a bitch! I was very apologetic after we stopped the recording, and he was just awesome. Like he, he couldn't have been cooler about it. He was, he was great, and what a, what a wonderful interview it was. But as a broadcaster, that's my nightmare. Like that, call the guy the wrong name the, twenty minutes the entire straight. Entire yeah. time, despite the fact that I put in the work. <laughs> 
to try to make sure I got it right. And as it turns out, I was dead celebratory in how wrong I was. It was like the, you know, the guy, do you see the video of the guy? Oh, can you pull that up? The, the guy from Philadelphia the other night that lost his mind on NBC Sports Philadelphia about the, um, the call at the end of the Super Bowl and literally started cursing, like, on the air. Oh, God, I got to pull this up. Um, all right, hang on. I'm going to send you a tweet. Okay. I'm going to send you this tweet. This, I, don't, I don't know anything about this guy. Might be a, a genius, right? But I want you to play this, this clip. And I don't know if this is edited or not. Like, hopefully... Hopefully it's not edited, but I don't know if they shared it on social. They might have chosen to edit it because legitimately cursing on air about the call at the end of the game. And this is on NBC Sports Philadelphia's, you know, post-game show immediately after the Super Bowl ends. The same way that, like, when I do the post-game show with Rita, we don't have the game. But the game ends, and the ratings show everybody comes over and listens to us instead of listening to the, the station that airs the game. I, I don't know what people in Philadelphia do, whether they will watch the Fox post-game presentation or they, too, go over to NBC Sports Philadelphia. But they go there, and they get this gentleman's name is, uh, thank you, Michael Bar Barkan, Barkin, right, correct, is his name. He's a host on NBC Sports Philadelphia, and he lost his damn mind. You know, this is a dream that began in July, the end of July, July 27th, and it was nurtured through the dog days of August and then into September as this team ripped off eight straight wins. The excitement that we had for this team was palpable, and we saw it as they came from behind to beat Detroit. We saw it as they toughed it out against Minnesota and on through the schedule. We thought, saw it as they withstood the injury of Jalen Hurts and then to get to a third and eight on the 15-yard line. And and an incomplete pass, and Carl Shefford's team with a oh, call. Man. I mean, utter complete is unbelievable. It's inexcusable. You don't make a call right then and there. All right, you all, don't right all right. So I'm sorry. I, 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 there are other people on the, the Internet that have it uh, uncensored. Maybe if we have families that are listening, perhaps it's better that we had yeah. it censored. He did. He said BS twice on the air. And I get it. Like, that's as far as. You know, expletives go. It's a tame expletive, right? Like, it's not nearly as bad as some, but it's still not some something you're supposed to say on television. Let me make that abundantly clear. If you are a professional broadcaster, you're still not supposed to do that. And what makes it so hilarious is imagine having that meltdown when you're demonstrably wrong. <laughs> like, imagine being so angry about something you're so easily wrong about. For me, it's Fletcher Cox and Ron Jaworski simultaneously giving that look like, oh, we're going there. Yeah, right? Like, that's, that's oh. what we're doing. And I get it. Like, half of the sports broadcasting anymore is performative. And, like, you know, maybe they said, dude, go ahead. We'll, we'll pay the fine. Like, let's get some attention out of it. Who knows any longer? Because the entire world has become professional wrestling. And, I, like, it's nonsense. But imagine losing your mind over something it's so easily disproven. Grab no, is a grab. it wasn't a bull-ass call. It was the correct call. A lot of people going down the road of trying to compare it to Jimmy Smith at the end of the 2012 Super Bowl, which only says to me that you guys don't understand what the rule is. 
you're not allowed to just do whatever you want within five yards. Do you guys know that? Like, you're not. It, Charles plays football, so obviously he knows what the rules are. You guys do understand the rule isn't that you're just allowed to, like, shove somebody in the face or do whatever, grab. Like, there is not a five yard ollie ollie oxen free period. So I would say it's the five yards is ref, referee discretion. You got to be doing something within the game but of do you, football. Do you know the what five, the actual rule says? The rule says you have to stay engaged. Yeah. If you grab, you have to continue. You are allowed to continue your engagement up to five yards. What you can't do is exactly what James Bradbury did, which was grab and release. That's a flag. You can grab and stay engaged, which is, of course, what Jimmy Smith did in the Super Bowl in 2012. Now, the debate about Jimmy Smith is that the contact appeared to continue into the end zone, and the reason why they didn't throw a flag was because they couldn't tell if after five yards he would have released had it not been that Michael Crabtree was trying to shove him off. Now, that was a questionable call, right? Like, I can certainly understand why 49ers fans probably have not gotten over it in 10 years. Like, they probably think there was enough there that it could have risen to the, the point of a, of a foul, but to try to make it seem like it's the same thing as this only says you don't understand what the rules are. The rules are not, you can just do whatever you want within five yards. That's not what the rule states. It does state the contact is allowed, but you have to continue the engagement. Once you've gotten locked up within those five yards, you have to stay locked up. That would make sense. He would have to, if he's going to put his hands on him, turn up the field with him. Correct. Because that shows to the referee you are not out of position. Yes. If you, you grab still, and release, you are defending. now out of position. It's, yeah. Thank you. That's the best. You said it even better than I could. Yeah. He got beat and grabbed because he was beat. When you are de- actively defending someone, you can do that physically within five yeah. yards. You're, this, James Bradbury was not actively defending Juju Smith-Schuster. He was beat. Yeah, like you said, it's the difference between being beat and... Correct. Trying to be aggressive. Exactly. Make it's, a play. It's the exact reason why the rule is written the way that it was. Imagine losing your mind, cursing on air. And I, I don't know if this guy's going to get in trouble for it or not. The fact that NBC Sports Philadelphia went ahead and shared it themselves suggests that he probably won't get in trouble for it because if it was something they were worried about, what, 10 years ago, you would have gotten fired. Like 10 years ago, this would have lost, maybe not 10, 15 years ago. There was a time in the history of television where doing something like this would have lost, you, you would have lost your job over it. Um, but not any longer because I guess nothing matters in the world. I don't know. But imagine just losing your mind like this over something that you're just wrong about. Plain and simple, you're wrong. I don't know how I got here. How is how did I get here? Where did um, this start? Oh, I was demonstrably. I was talking about Muhammad. I was demonstrably sure. wrong. Yeah. I was wrong. I was celebratory wrong. Yeah, man. Oh God, that was embarrassing. All right. Um. Uh, continuing to get a bunch of back and forth about Todd Munkin. Apparently, there are reports now coming in that Todd Munkin also was offered the Tampa job again. He was yeah. offered the opportunity Albert to return. Breer, yeah, Albert Breer. Albert Breer reported that, and he chose Baltimore over Tampa. And, like, again, if you're trying to use this to ease your mind, like, well, that means he must have known Lamar Jackson was going to be here. Eh. Or he'd rather take uh, 
Huntley over you who's a Kyle back, Trask. You keep coming back to Huntley. Look, man. You're so convinced that Huntley's I going think to be that, I think that's what they told uh, Cliff Kingsbury how when he QBs? asked that question. Stop, it was like, well, we got a pro bowler in the building. Yeah. How right? many QBs have thrown four touchdowns in the pro bowl? Great point. I, I don't know. <laughs> who who would possibly know the answer to that I believe question? it's only Tyler. Huntley. If you say I so. Mean, I, I mean. Guys, only you, play, guys typically only play a half. So. I don't know what that suggests that I know anything about the history of the Pro Bowl. There's one thing in the history of the Pro Bowl that I know. It's the same thing everybody else does, that Sean Taylor knocked a guy out on the <laughs> sideline. That's literally the only thing in the history of the Pro Bowl that anyone knows at all. Um, I, 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 I bring it up to say, even if... Mark Bulger threw four and ah, four. Another famed former Raven. Mm-hmm. Another, it's just nothing but Ravens <laughs> that are on that list. Um I, what I would say is if somebody, you know, if Todd Munkin said, hey, is it a certainty that Lamar Jackson is going to be here? And the Ravens said, well, we're planning on it, but, you know, we can't guarantee it if that was their answer. And Todd Munkin's, you know, is weighing that versus Tampa, where they also don't know at all who the quarterback is going to be. I would still think that Baltimore would be the more desirable job. Because there's more stability within the organization, right? There's just more stability from top down in Tampa. Tampa was a dumpster fire until Tom Brady showed up. And there's every reason to think they could go right back to being a dumpster fire. I mean, they still have talent on the roster. If you remember before they had Tom Brady and the timeline fits, Munkin was their offense coordinator then. They their offense was on fire. It was a year of Jameis Winston, oh, thirty yeah, picks, 30, yeah, thirty interceptions. Thirty right. interceptions, thirty touchdowns. Right. And when you go to the Cleveland years, that's the year Baker Mayfield kinda lit his match a little bit to be to give people thinking like, Oh, can he yeah, be a starting quarterback? Guy, right. So he does win where he goes. Well, he you say win. He's, he's productive there, where he goes. Are, and if you give him the correct. pieces, he will there's, win. There's arguments for that. There's yeah. no doubt about it. But I, as far as whether or not him choosing Baltimore over, Baltimore over Tampa means definitively that he was given an assurance that Lamar Jackson was definitely going to be here. I, you know, like if he had chosen, I'm trying to think of an example. Where, some, where was somewhere where they were hiring a coordinator this year that had a stable quarter, a quarterback situation? I don't even Denver. know. Oh, uh, uh, the Chargers. The Chargers, oh, yeah, yeah, the Chargers. right? That was the desirable. So if, if we had reported, or if there had been a report that Todd Munkin was offered the Chargers and the Ravens and chose the Ravens, then 1,000% immediately on this show, I would say, that makes me feel very strongly that Todd Munkin knew or was given an assurance that Lamar Jackson was going to be here. Because if you've got the option of working with Justin Herbert or coming to Baltimore and not knowing... I think 10 times out of 10. Some people might still say they would go to, you know, L.A. and work with Justin Herbert because, you know, Justin Herbert's amazing. But there's no way that you're making that choice unless you know definitively that Lamar Jackson's the guy. The options being Baltimore or Tampa, maybe he knows something, but it's also just quite possible that Tampa's not a desirable place to be from top down. He knows that from his previous stint there and says, I don't really care who the quarterback ends up being in Baltimore, it's still better for me than going to an unknown quarterback and a rough situation in Tampa. I'm, again, all of this is speculative. I'm acknowledging that. We're having a speculative morning here on GCR, which is not what I like to do, but we can only operate with what we have. The only thing we know definitively, Todd Munkin is the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, and it will be interesting to see schematically, and we'll do more about that in the next couple of days, what that means, what the Ravens will end up trying to do, and what was their goal. Did they want to hire the system 
or the coach and accept a system. Like that to me is the other part of this. Were they looking for someone that was going to fit what they wanted to do or looking for someone and they were willing to be, you know, malleable towards whatever it was that they wanted to bring with them? These are things we can't have answers for. Presumably they will have a press conference this week. They might have even already announced it, and I just haven't checked my email about when they're going to introduce Todd Munkin and allow him to ask answer some of those questions. All right, winding down for a Tuesday edition of the program. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. We'll come back in, get a tidbit and tidbit, or wind things down. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets start at over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual Best of Issue. On the cover, we recognize Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman as our 2022 Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the Birds' turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day holiday racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. 
Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, as we are winding down for a Tuesday edition of the program, again, lots of great offers. I know the Super Bowl is past us, football season's over, but tons of huge events to uh, bet on. You can bet the over in the NBA All-Star game this weekend. You can bet the Daytona 500. You can bet daily NBA, NHL, college basketball. Even college lacrosse. Bet $5. Get $200 in instant bonus bets when you go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers and sign up with DraftKings. This is your chance to have fun and make a few bucks betting on your favorite college lacrosse teams. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Click on the DraftKings logo and that link to get your $200 in bonus bets. Uh, Griffin, you were trying to explain to me something that happened on Instagram today with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, so apparently he uh, he he took to uh, Instagram and this is uh, within like it, yeah, like the time wise would after, line up that it was after a couple the, okay? minutes after the uh, Todd Munkin uh, announcement, and uh, so he like he 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 posted a, to his Instagram story a song from uh, NLE Choppa, I think first, and then uh, and, he's, and that one's still up there. Okay. And then after the announcement, but did, did we read anything into that song, or is it um, just a song? I haven't looked into the lyrics yet, but okay. uh, I, can, I, I can research need, that. Need later. you to really dissect that. I promise and get I will. To the bottom yes. of that, right? Because uh, so like, it's possible he might have heard Coded the coded messages, ahead. right? Yeah, yes, but then exactly. once it was announced publicly, then he, uh, then he did another black screenshot, and in very small writing on the bottom right, it said, uh, "I guess today." Hold on, let me make sure I pull it back up. Yeah, let's let's not let's not miss this, right? So it's trick or treat day? Question mark. And. And then he deleted it like five minutes later. I have absolutely zero idea what that means. Like I, zero idea what what that would mean. Do you think it means he loves Todd Munkin? I, who knows? I mean, what does it's trick or treat day mean? Halloween. Is that a good thing? Is that a bit? People like Halloween. So, like maybe like. But it's also spooky season, yeah. right? Like, I, who the hell knows what that means? It means Todd Bunkett's got a lot of tricks in his playbook, maybe. Or, or it is it completely unrelated? And somebody got to him and said, "Hey, everybody thinks this is something to do with the new offensive <laughs> coordinator, so maybe just take it down so we don't have to deal with it, right?" Like, it, who the f knows? It'd be one thing if he had gone on there and said, "I hate the OC hire," and deleted it. We could be like, okay, I'm pretty sure we have an answer there. I lo- yeah, like, we, who knows what that means? It's trick or treat day. What? Am I? Is there something? Y'all are young. Or you, it's really treat. Or, or it's a big treat. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Is there something you can tell me? Do people describe? Do they use the phrase trick or treat day to describe something they love or they hate? Is there a thing there? I'm uh, I'm uh, Urban Dictionary. Uh, okay. <laughs> looking it up right now. Wait, wait, you got anything? I got something that you know could. Could lead to something, a uh, term originating in the South. To trick or treat, it's to spoil and spend money on a female, whether it's taking her out for dinner, taking her shopping, or anything else of that sort. I mean, in fairness, today is Valentine's Day. so That's what I'm thinking. Is he alluded to yeah, spl- like, splurging, treating a lady, maybe getting paid, and sp- then yeah. splurging? Yeah, like, lady, or we're splurging in an offensive coordinator. You, I you mean, know? but it's also possible it has nothing to do with the offensive coordinator. It's about exactly what, what uh, Charles is yeah, saying, which is it's about his lady. Yeah. Because it's Valentine's Day. I dude, I hate this. <laughs> I hate that this is what we're spending time dissecting, but this is the way that the world works now. Uh Lamar tweeted Lamar posted something on Instagram and then took it down. So we're trying to get to the bottom of it. We'll we'll put our team of investigators. Biggest story on in it. this city. Yeah, we'll, we'll get right on that <laughs> for the rest of the day. Oh, for God's sakes. Uh I did get the question from by the way, uh, some good feedback on uh, your Tom Brady photo. 
Uh, John Proctor is not. He realizes not happy that your phone oh, covers yeah. your yeah. mustache. Well, it's gone. So, our our friend Sue from uh, Live Casino appears to be a fan. That's <laughs> hey, hey, there you go. Okay. Um. Uh. Sai says you look like Juan Epstein. That's pretty good. And Who is Juan Epstein? Okay. So hang on. Let me pull. Let me pull up Juan Epstein. Hang on a second. Juan Epstein. Let me pull up. Um, Juan Epstein was from Welcome Back, Cotter. Oh. And oh man. You know what? <laughs> Not wrong. That's pretty good. Yeah, this That's was the thing. Good. This was the thing I was because I'm, I'm getting a haircut later this week, and that was the thing I was worried about. I wanted. I, I was like, oh, you wanted to look. I didn't want my hair fresh. to. Yeah, I didn't right. want my hair to, to be like clean. all poofy and stuff. Uh, Joe wants to know. Uh, this is. It's so funny because my uh, my buddy Brandon, who I'm spending my Valentine's Day with, by the way, <laughs> we're going to see Our Lady Peace tonight because we are dad rockers. That's what we do. Um, nice. it's a '90s band. You have no idea. It's fine. Sounds, I'm not even. I'm not even nice. mad about it. Sounds it's pretty nice. niche, but like we're big fans. Uh, and I already took uh, Mrs. Clark out for Valentine's Day over the weekend. We went uh, had. A, I got a nice piece of meat at a meat house this weekend. The meat house. Lovely. Yeah, we went to the meat house. I mean, they don't spend any money, so I'm not going to plug them. But we went to the meat the meat store and we got ourselves a big old hunk of meat. Nice. And had a lovely dinner. It was it was very nice. Um, some meat. I had I had uh, I had some prime rib at Ooh, the meat house. Nice. That was I believe she got the uh, fillet. That was the play. We got a little uh, broccolini on the side. It was a lovely, lovely, very expensive dinner for Valentine's Day. I hope she enjoyed it. At the Baltimore Meat House. At the Baltimore Meat House. That was where we went. Um, so anyway, uh, Brandon and I were talking about this as well. Uh, Joe said it's weird. Why do you think the Orioles didn't have a press conference to announce Bruce Springsteen like the Ravens did for Billy Joel? And it's so funny because my buddy Brandon and I were just, I said, I think we know the answer. The last press conference was an unmitigated disaster. (laughs) You know, turn around and have John Angelo's available again. I mean, I only answering questions about Bruce Springsteen. Right. I mean, come on, dude. You're going to, you're going to ask me questions about. Like I, who knows? Maybe they, they, I, I don't know if they were planning on it before or not. Like I have no idea if, like, if we had on January first. I think it would have been great if you had a press conference and, and, just and Dan Connolly asked about. No, no, they know, did the it on ownership. Valentine's Day. and He yeah. said it's not appropriate. Today's yeah. Valentine's Day. It's Valentine's Bruce Springsteen Day. We're not going to talk about anything besides. Like I think we know why they didn't do a press conference. It's because the last one went very poorly, and they just said. Maybe we just announce this one. Maybe we don't bother with the pomp and circumstance of a full press conference this time around. All right, let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you by ooh, the print issue of Press Box. Final days for the best of issue with our MoGaba Sports Person of the Year, Adley Rutschman, on at the cover. Go get it right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms before it's gone later this week in favor of a new one with Gunnar Henderson on at the cover. All right, there have been, or so so Sunday night was the sixth meeting between the first and second team All-Pro QBs in the Super Bowl. How about that? Yeah. Um, do you think you could name... Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning uh, have they not, not have met, met in, the in the Super Bowl. Bowl. They yeah. obviously could never... Well, I mean, they no, they would never... But they are both on this list. Uh, uh, so, so Tom Brady and... I got to go over all the quarterbacks. Yeah, Tom, Tom Brady's Brady. only one Tom Brady once. and Matt Ryan. Yep, 2016. Well, yeah, then. I was like, I don't think it would be Eli. Yeah. So, then, so Peyton, then Peyton with Rex? No, no it was and, no, and no. Drew, and Drew yeah, Brees. Drew Brees. Yes. Okay. Peyton and Drew Brees in 2009. Yeah, I was like, no. Way. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could have been Cam Newton, but Peyton Manning was definitely not yeah, an all-pro quarterback yeah. that year. He was awful. Um. Okay, Tom Brady and Matt Ryan, and then Peyton Manning and... Drew Brees. Okay. Uh, how about Aaron Rodgers and Ben Roethlisberger? No. 
Everyone else, uh, the the the, the, the well, other three years before two thousand. Before, before, okay. Well, there's. I mean, we could be here forever yeah. then trying to get these. All right, hang on. Let me. Let me. Let me. Uh, it, there's a Joe. Um, I'm guessing there's a Joe Montana on the there list. There is. There's two this Joe Montanas. Is, is Montana and oh, I can't even remember the Bengals quarterback that year. Boomerus. No, Ken Anderson. Ken Anderson. Mm-hmm. Yes, Ken yes. Anderson. This okay. was the first uh, since since the merger is when we have. Uh, is when I have data from Ken Anderson, 1981, and Joe Montana is the first year. We had the first and second team. So everything else is between 80 and 2000. Correct. So are there any more Joe Montanas? There's one more Joe Montana. Joe Montana and... Joe Montana and... It wouldn't have been the year they played New England. No. Joe Montana and... I'm not even going to try. Right division, though. Right division. Well, Joe yes, Montana division. and I don't know the divisions were the back. Joe then, Montana and Dan Marino. Dan Marino in 1984. Yeah, I should have thought of that. Montana and Marino. One and then more. The last one. I'm gonna. Um, uh, Kurt Warner and McNair. No, not. Ooh, Kurt Warner, that's McNair. a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. Oh, there wasn't that technically 2000. Okay. The, the, yeah, ball, the was game was played in 2000. I don't know when. I don't. I guess. It, I'm not sure when they're counting the years. 2016. I think it would. I think it would have counted. Part okay. of it. Uh, Aikman is not part of it. He played a Steve bunch of bad Young, quarterbacks. Not Steve part Young. Brett Favre. Not Brett Favre. Hey. Elway? Not, 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 not oh John Elway. Uh, Jim Kelly was part of it. Jim Kelly so was it, part of it. It wasn't Aikman, so then it means it was Mark Rippon. Mark Rippon in 1991 between the Washington football team and <sighs> Jim Kelly. There you go. There you go. That right. was their last. That's Good year. Yes, it was. <laughs> Very well. I mean, they were kind of okay for a little bit with Robert Griffin III. It's all right. They're sitting there with mm. Dallas, though. And they might have Greg Roman, so <laughs> they've got that so Michael Parsons is recruiting a Calais Campbell to Dallas. Hey, get the F out of here with all yeah. that. Calais, come back. To I think one. Greg Roman to Washington signed and sealed. It seems signed like, and sealed, you yeah, say? Yeah, because it seems like Rivera is the type of guy you need to fit in his system, and Rivera knows he's on the hot seat, so he's going to hire somebody who's not likely to take his position. Okay. They make, they could make Greg Roman an interim after they get rid of Rivera, but interesting. He's not going to become the head coach. I get it. I so where's it. Subban? He goes to what Tampa, or like who else is out there? Or he just so. stays in Kansas yeah, City and Kansas says, City. "Look, man, you know, if I'm not going to get a, the head coach gig, it's way Reed. worse things to be than you know hanging out with Patrick Mahomes." Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's po- again as we try to speculate what happened, why the Ravens waited this long to hire Todd Munkin. It might very well be that Eric Bieniemy just sort of said. I don't actually want to leave. Like I'm, I'm listening, but it's not. I've got Patrick Mahomes. Right. Like if I'm, if there's any risk of me not getting a head coaching job, this ain't a bad place to be. Hey, gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24/7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Uh, tonight, totally tubular. Carolina Hopkins lacrosse, five o'clock from Homewood Field on ESPNU. Big Ten hoops tonight on ESPNU. Illinois Penn State at seven on ESPN two. Michigan Wisconsin at nine on Big Ten Network. Nebraska Rutgers at eight. The rest of the college basketball find at glennclarkradio.com. NBC Sports Washington Hurricanes Capitals at seven. Wizards Blazers at ten. TNT Celtics Bucks seven thirty. Warriors Clippers at ten. ESPN Plus and Hulu Panthers Blues at eight. Paramount Plus Champions League returns today. AC Milan Tottenham Hotspur at three as well as Paris Saint Germain and Bayern Munich at three as well. The USA Network for WWE NXT tonight at eight. Non sports really just about nothing. Paul Rudd's gonna be on Seth Meyers. Did you see uh-huh. the video of the interview of like Paul Rudd and his son on the field after the Super Bowl on Sunday? And like Paul Rudd's son legitimately looks older than he does. Does he really? 
I did not see this video. I mean, I don't know if Paul Rudd's son does anything besides just being. He was Paul on. Rudd's he was on the uh, new episode of Practical Jokers last uh, last uh, week. That's not guess, something that guess I appearance. would. That... Brett Michaels was the one, and then he just. And Why Paul are just you pretending up. like I should care? Why? Because Impractical Jokers is an incredible you, show. God, you are trying to to sell Impractical. You have been trying to put over Impractical Jokers for forever on this show. I had the one guy on the show once, and he was. He was a lovely gentleman. I just <laughs> couldn't pretend like I had ever watched or cared about his oh, show. Man. Like I just couldn't. That do was it. probably awesome. Uh, <laughs> I can't tell if Jack Rudd is some sort of like Jack Rudd aspiring actor himself or whatever he is. But you is Paul Rudd wearing a Tyreek Hill jersey. It's a number ten. I can't. It's got to be Pacheco. Oh, it's right? Pacheco. It's yeah. Pacheco. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, yeah, Paul Rudd does look all like that Joe Flacco. <laughs> apparently, uh, controversy about his son. Paul. Oh, that's right. Wearing yeah. the Tyreek Hill. Uh, Paul Rudd's son is seventeen years old, and I'm telling you, go back and watch. I mean, the they interview. look like the same age. Yeah. The same age. He looks older. <laughs> it's insanity. Uh, interview he did with Peter Schrager. Uh, the only other thing, I guess, with Valentine's Day, it's Planet Planet Sex with Cara Delevingne uh, series ah, on uh, Hulu. I never. I, I do. I do enjoy other people's sexualities. Look, man, I Big enjoy. I'm a, I'm a fan of Cara Delevingne. I'm a, <laughs> all in. Um, she shoots a porno. Apparently, it's kind of documenting what? that. Yeah. In in. In, she in the show. like is the yeah, director. Yeah, yeah, she's directing it. It's a big yeah, difference. Sorry, 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 sorry. Like what? <laughs> she's directing. Okay, yeah. that's a much different scenario. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, uh, I try to get my wife to commit to going to see Ant Man on Friday night because it's like the one thing that we can agree on is going to superhero movies. And she's just like, I mean, we're just that age now. She's like, now she's like, oh, we gotta get a sitter. We gotta. It's a Friday. I'm gonna work until five. I don't really, and I'm busy on Saturday. I've got a couple of games that I'm doing on Saturday. So I don't really want to do Saturday night. And like I'm just realizing we're going to end up not seeing it. Like I just already – and I got to wake up. We can't go Sunday because I'm waking up early to do uh, 105.7 on Monday morning. Do like so a, what's the earliest showing they have, I guess? When? They do like a, like a, on 10, what a. Day? a 10 a.m. Sunday or something. I got to do the I got to do my normal show on 105.7 on That's Sunday. That's at 1, right? Yeah, but I, have you ever watched one of these movies? They're not done by 1. If it starts at t- the movie starts at ten, no, they it's d- going to start at ten thirty. Correct, because they do thirty minutes worth of trailers ahead of time, and there's a theater that I like. That I then you got to stick around and watch the post uh, credit scenes. Since I live really close to PA, there's a theater in Hanover, yeah, and uh, they show like five minutes of previews. It's the best. I mean, it's the best. I mean, I actually like the previews. Like it's part of going to the movies that I enjoy. Uh, but I, I like the movie. I bake it in. I bake it into what I'm. And expecting. it's the cheapest tickets I've ever. I've ever well, good for them. Tickets. Good for them. But I'm. I just already see it coming. I'm not going to see it this weekend. Like. We want to. It's not going to happen because we're just that age. It's the way it's going to go. All right. Thanks. Thanks today to uh, Muhammad Ibrahim. Thanks also to Tony Pauline, Pro Football Network, Patrick Stevens. We'll get all of it up in the greatest hits section of the. Oh, my God. It's so good. TabicLenClarkRadio.com. We will talk Todd Munkin on tomorrow's show. We will, whether, whoever it is, we will talk Todd Munkin on tomorrow's show. Rob Vaughn, Maryland baseball coach, is going to join us. Their season gets underway this weekend with lofty expectations, and I imagine Drew will probably stop by yeah. stuffing things as well. Thanks, everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, the Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Maryland Jockey Club, Great Ace Memorabilia, Maryland Vascular Specialist, your local Toyota, ah, God, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Charles at Charles underscore AP28. Charles dot AP28. Dot AP28. Close enough. On Instagram. Give him a follow there. All right. Uh, follow us at Glenn Clark Radio, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Hopkins, lacrosse. Duke sucks.